Uh, this is Mike Costa, writer of Cobra, and you're listening to Star Joes. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 71, Costa Strikes Back. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, yes, once again, we are blessed by having uh, writer extraordinaire, and he's not aware of this, I don't believe, but uh, Star Joe's Writer of the Year for 2011. Whoa, what? Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I didn't get a, a letter or a, or a trophy or anything. What's well, up with that? Well, it's like a Marvel no prize. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I was realizing this. I don't know if we've all along been mispronouncing your name. Is it Costa or Costa? It's Costa. It is Costa. Okay. Because I was in London and I saw Costa Coffee, and I was like, "Damn, have I been mispronouncing his name all along?" <laughs> and, you know, people know Costa Rica, the the country, so they right. assume it's Costa, but it's it's. I don't know why it's Costa. I mean, I didn't. Okay. I just that's what my parents say. So I guess okay. Probably should be Costa, but it's Costa. <laughs> well, at least we've been pronouncing it right all along, so I don't feel too bad then. Um, no, but thanks for coming back on the show. Glad to have you have you back again. No, I'm glad to be here. So, yeah, you actually uh, you actually got noted for a couple things uh, in 2011 because we uh, I don't know if you remember, but we uh, we cover all the Star Wars comics, all the GI Joe comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, all Transformers, and now we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Voltron comics that are out there right now. Oh, that'd be cool. I didn't know that, but great. Yeah, uh, and soon we'll be covering the new He-Man comic, because we just cover anything that's the 80, Star Wars or 80s properties. Uh, okay. Um, so last year, we put out, we have what's called our Roadhouse Awards, um, which there's a whole story involved with that, but basically Chuck is addicted to the movie Roadhouse. <laughs> okay. Also, Crow T. Robot's favorite movie. <laughs> and uh, the, it's basically become his excuse for when he's uh, he states 
why he does something, but he doesn't really have a real good reason why he does something. He just says Roadhouse. Uh, okay. So we eventually turned that into an award ceremony and called it the Roadies. All right. And, uh, Chuck, are you still there? Yeah. Down here, there. Well, you guys, you know, maybe aren't too great with technology, but you have great taste in writers. I got to say. <laughs> Well, that was voted on by our listeners. Really? Yes. Well, uh, dare I ask how many? Uh, we actually have quite a few listeners. Um, well, last year especially, we had quite a few people vote. Uh, I think we had about we have any every episode we have anywhere from uh, three hundred to five hundred listeners that are that show up. Oh, that's pretty solid. Um, yeah, but they don't all participate. Sure, course. sure. Um, so I think we had a total of about twenty to twenty-five votes. Hey, um, cool. So it was a good showing. And was it a landslide or what? Like that I? Um, no, it was close between you and Larry Hama. <laughs> Larry's been around for thirty years, man. You got to let the young guy shine. <laughs> that's, that guy. That's right. All right. Let me see if I can get him back on. I mean, all due respect to Larry, the guy's you know right. Uh, there would be no GI Joe without him, and he's absolutely. I, I mean, I I heard. So many amazing Larry Hama stories from Chuck Dixon when I uh, finally met Chuck in person at a, a signing. I'll wait until we get the yeah. other Chuck back, though. You might want to hear those. Chuck, Chuck is not the technical one of the two of us. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm going to keep going with the interview until he, get, right. he gets on. But Yeah. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, anyways, the, the other thing I wanted to tell you that you actually uh, got a uh, roadie award for was no. uh, Best Star Joe's Moment of 2011. Okay. And I don't know if you remember or not, but there was, when we had you on, there was a whole debate about Chewbacca being a sidekick or not. I was just going to say, I remember <laughs> this very vividly, whether or not he's a sidekick or he's a co-pilot. Yes, and this was a debate that went on way past the episode. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and Chuck loves, of course, the fact that you sided with him. And uh, so he, so he, of course, nominated. I nominated it as well because I thought it was a, a hilarious moment, and it won uh, as far as the votes. So, uh, so you got best writer and best moment. So, uh, well, how about the, I'm an I'm an all star. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an all star star Joe. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Is there any other pop culture debate that you need me to settle between you guys later oh, this, in this podcast? Yeah, we've got the, uh, I don't know if you remember, last time it was called the firing range where we had the debates, and that's where that question came yes. up. We do have uh, ten more firing range questions. Awesome. Go. I love that stuff. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a, a good time. We've had debates. Some of these debates we're going to bring up to you are the first time ever being brought up on the show. But okay. But they are debates that Chuck and I have had at work. Uh, very intensely at work. So okay. Um, but uh, while while we're waiting for him to to get back on here, uh, obviously there uh, I realized that comics don't or movies don't always relate to comics and comics always don't relate to movies. But I'm sure I think I don't know if you've heard the news of uh, the new Joe movie being postponed. I just saw that about an hour ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now. My thinking, and you're certainly welcome to, to give your thoughts on it, I'd love to, to hear a Joe Ryder's thoughts on it, is um, they're saying it's because of they want to make it 3D to recoup their money. My thinking is they didn't realize how big Avengers was going to be, and they don't want to compete for 
the movie money that's going to be still going on when it comes out because they also have Spider-Man coming out a week after that. And I think the Batman movie comes out like a couple weeks after that. Yeah. Um, and they, they spent $125 million on this movie and they want to make sure they make at least that back, if not more, obviously. You know, I, there's so much that goes into studio strategy that, um, I live in, I live in LA for listeners that may not know. I I live in LA and most of my friends, um, either work in TV or, or in movies. I have a few friends who specifically work in, uh, studio finance and, um, acquisitions and stuff. And so I know a little bit about nothing about this specific sure. topic, but I know a little bit about the how those conversations go and, and how those decisions get made, and um, and like you know the way that studios look at things like tracking and GI Joe was tracking really really well. The awareness was huge because oh, yeah. that they, or they released that trailer like you know two months ago and and uh, it's but yeah the problem with this summer is that it's just got so many ringers honestly. I, I, I'm surprised they didn't push it back into a late summer release. I was surprised too. Because the late summer is kind of doesn't really have anything. Right. But um, you know, I guess the 3D thing uh, makes sense to an extent, and and you know, next, and then it, also the studio does, often doesn't want to compete with itself. Right. So maybe they had another release in the late summer that they you know wanted to make room for, and so then they just push that. And I, I really I really don't know. Yeah. But what I can tell you is I, I don't. The two movies that I'm predicting aren't going to do well this summer are Men in Black and um, I'm worried about Spider-Man, actually. Oh, yeah. I don't think Spider-Man's not going to do – I don't think it's going to be bad, but yeah. I think that in between Avengers and Dark Knight, Spider-Man is getting totally forgotten. I, and I feel like people are not talking about it and it's just not visible out there. I 100% agree. Yeah, my thinking was when, it first, when I even heard of them doing it, of course, I think I reacted like a lot of people, which is why are they doing a reboot again? so soon um not that i don't think it needed it after the third spider-man movie but because that was a train wreck but (laughs) (laughs) but i was really not in favor of it then i saw the costume and i was i didn't really like the what i was seeing of the costume but Mm -hmm. since i've been seeing trailers for it now now i almost feel like this might be the best spider-man movie they've done so far it looks really really great and one of the things that um uh, a really good friend of mine has always uh, complained about the previous Spider-Man movies, is that he feels that Tobey Maguire was not funny, and that yeah. Spider-Man is funny, and now all these kids are going to grow up thinking that Iron Man is the funny hero, right. because you know, uh, Rob Downey Jr. is so funny, and he's such a wise-ass, and he's like, that's supposed to be Spider-Man, so he's really excited because he feels like this is going to be the funny, witty Spider-Man, right. and I gotta say, that one moment in the trailer where the guy pulls the knife... Oh, I love that. And he's like, oh, my weakness is a tiny, tiny knife. sharp that's, knife, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. So I, I hope that's true. Yeah. Even though overall the movie looks like they're going for something darker. Yeah. Um, let me, we'll see. Yeah, let me go bring uh, Chuck's back on. So let me go. Oh, okay, great. Uh, hello. Hello. Hey, that sounds fantastic. Oh, sounds good. I can hear him now. Yes. All right. Um, All right. And, and just so you know, for future reference, Chuck, I have to call you. You don't call me. I know I didn't have my cell phone. I was trying to tell you I'm ready. Yeah, I know. No, I was. I was. I tried to ping you, but uh, I saw you were trying to call, and I'm like, I he can't call in. I have to call him. <laughs> or else this is not going to work. <laughs> um, no. So we've we've already started talking about. We went ahead with the interview without you, by the way. Cool. Yeah, it's actually over. So thanks for having me, guys. All right. 
No problem. You got anything you want to say, Chuck? <laughs> uh, thanks for the Cobra for the PDF. That was awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So, um, but no, we were actually talking about uh, summer movies and with the obviously the Joe movie getting pushed back, and uh, we were actually t- on to talk talking about one of your favorite subjects, Chuck, which is Spider Man, and saying how that movie might not really be seeing a whole lot of attention that maybe it deserves because of you got Avengers on one end and the Dark Knight on the other end. Now, I think Spider-Man will do okay. It might not do as well as Avengers two billion dollars. Yeah, no, be- I think it'll do. I think it'll do okay also. But I, I do think that it's getting forgotten um, right now, and I, I, I hope that it's that it you know awareness starts to build. I don't know how it's officially tracking, but it just my gut tells me that it, people aren't aware of it enough. I also saw a. T- uh, I think it was a trailer or a fee- like a small clip or something where he's in the a taxi cab and the cab driver asks him for money or something like that and he's like, "Do, do it look like I carry a wallet on me?" <laughs> so, so like yeah. you were talking about the humor there, uh, yeah. or like that—that's to me that's what Spider-Man is. He has those quips. That's how he deals with a high-pressure situation as he tells jokes. Right. So, when we watched Avengers, the Spider-Man trailer was the best trailer for Spider-Man that movie that I had seen so far. I had seen other trailers for it, but they just weren't as good. This one made me want to watch the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really, really good trailer. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I agree with you too. Men in Black, I don't think has a chance this summer at all. No, Not at it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if Men in Black doesn't do well because you know Will Smith is sort of like the last bankable right. surefire hit star. And if this movie, if this big gigantic franchise summer movie doesn't open huge, yeah. You know the the era of the star might be done with, and 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 it might be now that you know movies open movies because it used to be that, that movie stars open movies, but now I think movies open movies. I was just that, that that's not necessarily that could, a bad thing either. Yeah, that could be a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. Well, and that's the thing too. Um, it's almost like um, to relate it back to comic books, and and certainly something I I would think you would agree with, which is. Back in the 90s, you know, when everything was, you know, oh, everything sells for a million copies, um, it was very much an artist market, almost like we were talking about with big actors. You know, it was who was drawing the book. And I think now we're in a time where it's the story drives the book. Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the last 10 years have seen a total shift in that. And now... You know, the writers are certainly not to say that there aren't artists that artists aren't just as right. important, and that certainly there's people like Jim Lee that could basically sell any book that he sure. drew. But, but um, you know, I, I it's definitely a writer's yeah. medium now. Well, in and, a way that never was before. And like you said, not to give a slight to artists, I think the artists now are focused on helping to tell the story through their art rather than having themselves just stand out as an artist. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that you know, I mean, the, the advent of uh, full script and um, I think also things becoming so totally decentralized with uh, the internet because even in the image days you know uh, those guys were all in the same studio together right. so you you know the writers would be hanging out and jamming with the artists and it was way more sort of collaborative in that way and but because of that I think the artists had a lot more sort of input into what was going on in the book right whereas today I write a script I put in in an email and then Antonio draws it he's in Rome and and we email back and forth and stuff but I have to write that entire script first and I uh, actually what I've done recently with Antonio is uh um I asked him right before we were going to start issue 13 because as you guys 
and maybe people listening as well see that it's kind of a whole new direction for Cobra. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wrote him a big long email about it and I said, here's what the book is going to be. And here's who our cast is going to be for a while. And, uh, you know, it's going to be sort of a more espionage, uh, straight espionage story for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you tell me what the stuff over the past couple of years that you had the most fun drawing? And I will try and put more of that stuff in there because I want okay. Antonio to be happy. Sure. Because the happier he is drawing it, the better the art's going to be, you know? Yeah. Well, um, sure. Yeah. And that's, and one of the things that he said right away was he likes doing action sequences that are outdoors. Okay. So I don't know why, but I didn't ask, yeah. but look for a lot of outdoor action sequences. That's why issue 13 opens with one. Okay. It was a nice scene too. It was an awesome yeah. scene. Um, oh, yeah. And, well, and the thing is, like you were talking about, uh, if the artist is happy, that's why a lot of times when I'm doing, I'm at a convention, I do a commission, or I get a commission from someone. Usually my instruction to them as far as what I'm looking for is very vague and very open. I let them go ahead and pick what they want to do. To give you an idea, my commissions I did last year were related to the show, which was Star Joe's. So I, I told the artist, pick any Star Wars character you want and take any G.I. Joe character you want and make a hybrid character. <laughs> okay. Put them together. I don't care what characters you pick. Put them together, and you would be amazed at what people came up with. Uh, one that's near and dear to your heart was one artist took this drawing, made a did a drawing with Chuckles, yeah, combined with Moma Naden, which is the Hammerhead character from the Cantina scene in Star Wars. Yes, uh huh. Yeah. I have that toy. Yeah, he combined those <laughs> two together. And he said the reason why he picked those two characters is because both of them in the movie versions had about as much screen time and neither one of them talked. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Chuckles has no lines yes. in the cartoon movie. He just screams yeah. at one point. And uh, I'll have to email. You, I'll have to email you the image because your mouth will drop when you see it. It's. I'd love to see that. That sounds awesome. It's the most amazing drawing you've ever ever seen. So. Is that the one uh, Dave Wachter did yes, for you? Yes, Dave Wachter. Yeah. 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 So, um, well, a couple of things. I wanted to get the ugly out of the way first. Uh, okay. Couple of the couple of the ugly ugly things that have happened in the past, and we'll and we'll just get past them. We'll move past them. But uh, uh, right. but uh, Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I was picking it up. I I honestly, oh, I honestly did really enjoy it. Um, and I made the I made a comment when I read the first issue that I was happy to hear other people felt the same way, which is after that first issue, I actually remembered every character's name. Oh, really? And to me, that was a good sign of a good story. It was the fact that the names were memorable to me. Well, you know, I, that is a very interesting thing to say, and it's a really great compliment to me, so thank you. But I, that's actually a really smart rule that I'm going to start acting as though is a real rule in writing and I'm going to tell people about <laughs> That uh, that at the end of your first issue or your first episode or whatever, people should be able to remember your characters' names because that's true. That's and it, it didn't. I'm not going to say it was on my mind. If I was a smarter writer, it would have been. But <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Like introducing a, a large cast like that, it's very easy yeah. for people to just sort of forget who your character, or, or maybe they'll just remember two of them that are important. Right. But well, thank you very much. I'm glad that that worked. Now don't now don't get me wrong. I had no idea how to pronounce Kanoichi or whatever that was, but. Yeah, I'm not even positive. I, 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 I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I, 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 <laughs> but I'm sorry to hear it only went eight issues. Um, I at least I did. I was enjoying. It. I was interested to see where you were going to go with it. I mean, is there? Did you have? 
I, I mean, I'm sure you had ideas, but anything you wanted to share as far as what, where you thought it was going to go? Well, um, you know, I had, uh, I had planned a couple issues. Here's the thing about Blackhawks. And I, I said this in, um, in some previous interviews that I did back, you know, last fall and stuff, mm-hmm. man, it was only last fall. Wasn't yeah. it? Oh, it feels like, it feels like two years Eternity, ago. Eternity. Yes. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, no, but, w- uh, with Blackhawks, I actually didn't plan anything out. And, um, that was one of the ways that I approached the comic that, that I, I was able to get away with because, um, I think DC was really, you know, busy focusing on the, the, the big important books. So I sort of got left alone. I don't think that I'd be able to get away with that if I was working on a book that basically had any kind of profile whatsoever. Right. But, but, um, I, so I never turned in any outlines and I never really thought ahead. And like, so I I knew like in issue four, issue four would end with them getting into space. Okay. But I, when I finished writing issue four, I did not know how they were going to get back to earth. Okay. (laughs) Like I, I just, and every issue I approached like that, I, I wanted to have some big moment. Um, and then I wouldn't know how to get out of it because, um, there was a lot of talk in the comic book press, a lot of, I think good talk and a lot of derisive talk Mm -hmm. about how, there was a, this feeling that the, the relaunch smacked of a lot of nineties kind of comics. Right. And, um, and I took that as a, as a challenge, like, or, or as, or as a, a promise because there's good stuff about nineties comics. I mean, sure. people remember all the bad stuff, like crappy art and, you know, characters that are not memorable and, and just a bunch of grittiness for no reason. And, you know, there's a lot of bad comics in the nineties, but also comics in the nineties did something that comics now I don't think do, which is they had, a tremendous amount of energy and just full of ludicrous ideas. And, and yeah, a lot of times the ideas weren't very good and the imagination was kind of, you know, derelict, but, but really like it, anything goes. And so I approached Blackhawks from that. I thought like, well, if, if people feel like, you know, there's all these nineties ideas coming back from the dead for the relaunch, then I'm going to take all the good nineties ideas. And my book is going to be, this is my, my Blackhawks was me writing a nineties book. Okay. And so one of the ways that I approached it was to never think ahead <laughs> and to all just just try and do one big crazy thing per issue. And then after I finished writing that issue and I started writing the next one, just make it – just try and get out of whatever corner I put myself in. Because I feel like that's how a lot of that stuff went then because people weren't really sitting down and writing them very carefully. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of people who weren't really writers working on those books and just sort of making it up as they went along. So – I tried to put that kind of energy into it, but by necessity, then I didn't really have a whole lot planned out. So when, when they told me that I, that issue eight would be the last one, I had already written, um, issues, uh, six, seven and eight. And I went back and I rewrote them so that they would wrap it up, be more of an end. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, essentially what happens in issue eight was kind of what was going to happen in issue nine. And I had I had inter- actually introduced a brand new character in issue six, mm-hmm. um, who I then removed and re- and had to rewrite the next two scripts to remove that character okay. because she was going to be as another female character. She was going to be sort of a rival character to uh, Kanoichi. Okay. Um, but I removed her, and so yeah, I don't I didn't really have a lot of plan. I, I think issue nine was going to be a flashback issue, and it was going to show how. Um, Lincoln and Lady Blackhawk first met, kind of got and together. maybe 
Yeah. Yeah, and maybe even show how Lady Blackhawk lost the eye, but I but I hadn't started writing it yet, so I I really didn't know. Yeah, she, um, she was an interesting. So yeah. She was an interesting blend for me of almost like a Baroness meets Nick Fury uh, type of character, as far as looks and as far as personality, almost. Yeah, you know, I feel like Lady Blackhawk was the was the one character I didn't get to do a lot with, which is why issue nine was going to be all about her because I felt like I never really um, communicated. You know who she was. She was just like a very capable soldier, and she was, you know, the 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 team leader. Yeah. Um, but like, you don't really know anything. And she, like, she uh, the backstory I had was that she was like from South Africa, and I had I had a bunch of stuff I was going to put in there, but you know, we didn't have time. So, oh well. Now, the one thing I, I have to ask you, since I, I won't find out now, uh, and like I said, I'm sad to, to say that, but um, mm-hmm. the did you have any plan at all as far as explaining how can why Canada was named Canada? Um, no, I didn't. I mean, I knew. I, I he mentions that it's a story, right? But right. I didn't know what the story was when I said that, and and maybe I would have eventually gotten around to telling it. But I I, I didn't. I just I just was like, oh, it's a story. But I had no story in mind. Okay. No. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, because I was just like, I was like, damn it, I want to know why he's named that. <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, Chuck, I know you didn't get to read a lot of issues of it. You did read a, a few, but uh, I didn't, like I said, before we moved on, I just wanted to see if you had anything else you wanted to ask when it came to the whole Blackhawks no, scene in general. Yeah, nothing really. I mean, it just, it, it wasn't for me. I was already reading a, a G.I. Joe, and to me it kind of reminded me of G.I. Joe, it was good, but I was already kind of reading that kind of story. So the only question I had was, you know, the names. Did you did you know people, uh, you know, like that? Did you know a guy named Lincoln or somebody with a last name Lincoln? Or how, how did you no, do that? No, I made all those names up. Um, well, one character, uh, Kun- Kun- <laughs> uh, I mean, did you know Kun- <laughs> people that you already knew kind of? Kunoichi is named after a girl that I uh, I dated for a little while and is one of my friends now. I, I did I named her I named her Nikki okay. uh, for that reason. But I, I name I name characters after um, uh, girls often. Okay. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, when, when Larry when Larry Hama wrote GI Joe, he wrote you know based off people that he knew and experiences in the military. So. Yeah, no, I, I mean, well, if, if only I'd served in the military, I'd, I'd probably be doing a better job on GI Joe. But, uh, but no, <laughs> you're doing I, a great job on Cobra. Don't worry about that. Oh, thank you. Uh, no, um, no, I've only ever, uh, and I didn't base her personality off of Nikki. I just, uh, the first comic book that I ever wrote was a Jack Hawksmore book, and I named sort of the female lead after this girl. Um, that she was so thrilled by it. So since then. Uh, every character, not every character, but a lot of my main, my major female characters are named after someone. Actually, Erica Laten is named after, um, after a, a girl I know out here in Los Angeles okay. who, uh, who is actually, this is very complicated inside joke, and I don't think I've ever told it before, but to, to, so this is a Star Joe's exclusive. <laughs> nice. Here we go. Uh, but Erica is, uh, her name is, it comes from, this girl named Erica, but not with a K, with a with a C. I made it a K to make it more sort of Eastern European. Okay. Um, who was the publicist to a or is the publicist to a an actor who appeared? And I'm not going to say I, I'm not going to get too specific, but an actor who was in the uh, the GI Joe movie, 
and was a Cobra character. And so I, I named my femme fatale character who was having an, you know, like a, a potential relationship with characters in Cobra after this publicist I know who was representing an actor who was in Cobra. So that's, that's why Erica's name is Erica. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I, I was, I was going to say too, it's not a bad way to pick up women either. To, to be like, hey, I'll put you in a book. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I, I offered uh, to do that to 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 a girl, um, to to put her name to name a character after her, and she got like this is recently, just mm-hmm. recently, and she got so excited. And this is not a girl who knows anything about comics. Okay, but she was so thrilled. Um, and this was just in a small two-page backup story that I'm writing for uh, Tim Seeley's book, Hackslash. Mm-hmm. I invented a character and named it after her, so it's not even like a major character. And, like, you know, she wanted to see the art as soon as it came in. And yeah, yeah. She had to go out and buy it right away. And I was like, wow, I just... That, that's, your, that's your go-to move now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing how people are so thrilled. I'm like, you know, there's probably less than a thousand people are even going to read this thing. It's not, <laughs> it's not really that impressive. But, uh, but people, you know, like to be honored, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it worked for us when we talked to Shannon. And he said he's going to try to work us into a book. So that, that, that worked for us. Well, you know, um, Alex Milne, who does the... Uh, the Transformers artist, I yeah. guess, draws a lot of uh, a lot of people into the backgrounds. Yeah, and uh, there's these uh, Matt Messenger and uh, and uh, uh, Amy uh, do this uh, podcast called The Underbase, and I guess he drew them into an issue in the background, and one of my issues that I wrote. And I had no idea, but like I met one of them at Botcon, and they were so thrilled. And, so yeah, it's it's fun. My artist uh, Ryan, who's drawing smoke and mirrors, does that too. He every incidental character is is someone that he knows nice. just because for him to draw them in. Yeah, it's got to be fun to do it that way. So, <laughs> um, and then uh, to the other, I don't know how much you were even aware of it or how much you paid attention to it, but the the other ugly that I wanted to get out of the way was uh, you wrapped up Transformers. Yep. And I know you had some, uh, like an interview, one or two interviews afterwards. And I think some of the, the things that you said in the interview got a lot of backlash, surprisingly. Um, were you aware of it or, or of the backlash? Yeah, I, I, I was aware of it. And that was, that was too bad. And, you know, I, I didn't want to leave Transformers under a cloud of, of, of bad feelings. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I just wanted to focus on the people that were coming after me and, yeah. you know, stay, try and stay positive about because i think that um they're doing really really good work i don't know if you, you guys would probably read those books if you do if you color oh, yeah. Them, yeah more stuff so i think yeah i think john barber and uh and james roberts are doing an awesome job on those books and uh you know my my era was done and i told the story i wanted to tell and some people really didn't like it but some people did and i'm you know proud of of what i did and uh if people got upset by some comments that I made on the on on the, on the podcast on the actual podcast I was talking about the underbase, right? Um, then I feel really bad about that because that is absolutely not my intention. I would never want to, you know, throw a grenade in the room on my way out the door. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah, it's so. yeah, it's completely ridiculous. Looks like we lost Chuck for a second too, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, no, so um, yeah, I mean, and I saw some of the comments. And like you said, it's a, it's a shame. That that's what happened. It's really easy to sort of, um, you know, start talking uh, very loosely and making a lot of generalities and, and, and not being careful about what I'm saying. And it becomes easy to 
offend people or say stuff that I don't really mean because it, you know, it's, it's become so familiar, especially people like you guys or, or like the underbase who really are good at it and, it. and it just becomes like a conversation between friends and I don't feel like I'm being interviewed. So right. I get way more casual than be. and then beyond that, it gets easy to take things out of context and stuff. So I just, it was a good lesson for me to learn to choose my words much more carefully yeah. in these situations because you know, I, I, I did not, I, I would never want to, uh, um, have that happen again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, uh, the one thing I, I did want to compliment you on and is the issue 31, which was your, you know, your swan song from the tra- yeah. Transformers, um, was extremely impressive. Um, oh, and, and I don't mean it just to say it just to kiss your ass or anything like that, but, um, <laughs> What I was really impressed, and I know uh, Chuck was as well, because I think that I think it was our issue of the month that month, because um, we always pick our like total like we rate every comic book that we review, and yeah. uh, so we have a uh, we either rate it a buy, a borrow, or a snarf uh, after the character from Thundercats because I know snarf yeah because yeah. he's a horrible character and. Uh, <laughs> and it sounds appropriate when you you say I don't like this issue, you snarf it. So it's almost like smurfing it or something like that. But okay. um, so, but we also always pick our total buy of the month, uh, the one that we feel out of all the books we were covering in that episode, which one was the one that really just stood out that we feel like people need to go out and get. Um, Thirty one, I'm almost positive was that issue because I think if no one knew anything about Transformers, other than the basic, you know, they grew up with the cartoon or something like that, and wanted to get into the IDW universe as far as understanding what has come before, mm-hmm. before jumping into the new stuff. I think 31 was a good one because you kind of summarize a lot of the big arcs. Yeah, were. well, that was something that that uh, that I think Chaos or that came before it was right. was supposed to do. It was one of the things that that Andy Schmidt, the editor at the time, right. And I uh, had talked about, and James Roberts as well, had talked about for that big arc is that, you know, there, there, there are sort of these very distinct eras of IDW Transformers. There's, uh, there's um, you know, jeez, uh, <clears throat> um, I'm totally blanking on names here. Like, okay, so there's Simon's era. Right. And then, and then uh, there's the All Hell Megatron era that Shane wrote. Right. And there's kind of my era. And it's very easy you know, through a lot of things, through just different authorial voices, through certain continuity errors, that you can look at them as if they're totally independent of one another. Yeah. And so when we did Chaos, we were, it was really important for us to go back into Simon's run and tie up some of the mysteries that he had left dangling and to look at All Hell Megatron and try and pay off some of those relationships that were built then. Uh, and some of the and some of the things that were left dangling with that with like Sunstreaker, and so that so chaos felt like it came out of the entire run of Transformers, and it wasn't just you know it wasn't just a big arc in my run, but it right. the all the issues ma- mattered when you got there. Yeah. And then since my final issue was going to be after chaos, it was sort of that entire thing in one issue, which is this has all happened. Yeah. You know, the, all of this actually happened. We're not disregarding. You know the, the the previous writers that have come before, and uh, and yeah, it was that I had always known that that would be my final issue. I mean, even before I knew exactly when I was leaving Transformers, I knew that when I did, that was going to be the issue that I left on. Right. 
Okay. So I'm I'm glad that I got to write it. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I have to ask you, and I'm hoping that you didn't come up with this because um, I wasn't a fan, was the character, uh, the big monster in Chaos, Devoid. Yeah. Please tell me you didn't come up with the name of Devoid. You know, I don't know. I think um, I think that James did, or maybe it came out of uh, um, uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, who wrote the Galvatron. The Galvatron, right? Yeah. Yeah, because well, we all had a bunch of like conference Skype things because you know James and Dan and Andy are all in the UK, but they're in different parts of the UK. I guess Dan and Andy live near each other, but you know they were both in their homes and then. I'm in Los Angeles, and at the time, Andy, who was the editor, he's in San Diego. So right. we would do these big Skype conference things, and uh, and that was before they wrote Galvatron. So right. that was like two years ago. It's really yeah. hard to remember, no. but I'm sure that the name came out of one of those calls, or or maybe the name specifically didn't, but the concept certainly did, and then someone else. But I don't think it was me that and- named it that. I kept referring to it in the script. As the Deceptic God, okay, <laughs> because because it was because it was made up of all the different Decepticons, Decepticons right. but I never intended for that to be used. I mean, obviously, no one calls it that in the comic, but right. the word that I used when I would have to talk about, you know, the Deceptic God swings its fist or something, because I had to call it something. something so that's right. what I that's what I called it. Yeah. Well, the thing that that popped in my head, and you're, it it kind of makes me. Uh, think that this is almost how it could have came out of it was um, you were talking about being a conference. I remember hearing like from movies and other things where it's all of a sudden like you start calling something, something. And even though it's a a crazy weird or, or even silly name, you just keep running with it. Next thing you know, it just sticks. Um, Because the thing that kept popping in my head with the name D void was like, like the void. And then it, Uh and then it's like the becomes D and it's just devoid of anything, uh-huh. like when someone's devoid of life. So I was like, maybe that's right. what they were going for. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure that pun was intended. Yeah. Um. Almost certainly. So. Okay, I'm gonna try to add Chuck again. Oh, that's <laughs> Chuck. Okay, I was gonna say something. Just. Oh. Hello. Hey. Hello. Are you back on? All right. Yeah. Sorry. This. I'm having some weird Skype issue or something. I don't know. I apologize, guys. No, that's fine. We were talking about uh, devoid with Transformers. And uh, we also we also talked about I don't, Chuck. I don't know if you'd remember or not. I know you remember issue number thirty one of Transformers, where it was Ironhide and Alpha Trion talking to all the younger kids. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And how it gave like a summary of all of uh, everything that came before, basically. Um, right, right. And I, I think I told Mike. I said I think it was our pick of the month that month. I don't really remember, um, but we talked about that too. So um, that was really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, we were just talking about where the name Devoid may have come from, uh, and it was they were. He said they were talking on conferences. I'm trying to bring you up to speed here. <laughs> they were talking. On, they were talking on. They were talking on conferences, and and he said he's not really sure because obviously it was a few couple years ago um, where the name came from. But you know, I, I mentioned that you know it sounds like something when something is devoid of life, uh, you know, and then it just they, you just run with it. So, um, but I I know one of the jokes that. Chuck can attest to on the on the show is whenever we mention devoid, we kept saying avoid the noid uh, from the whole yeah, time. And it was, the, the it was yeah. <laughs> so. sorry. <laughs> um, so on the on the happier uh, 
topics. And, and I do want to thank you for your Transformers run because it, it was enjoyable. The um, the reveal at the end with with Spike and now Bumblebee being left as the leader, like all those things was really cool. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it greatly. The Transformers will return after these messages. To Cybertron. Thank you, Soundwave. I am TFG1 Mike, and you should be listening to my very first podcast, the TFG1 Podcast. 24 episodes covering the entire U.S. run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon. Also, a few supplemental episodes in an interview with Stan Bush. So check out the TFG1 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Transforming rollout. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join host TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Now, back to G.I. Joe. Uh, moving on to Cobra. You can settle the debate for us once and for all, Mike. Alright. Okay. Okay. This is going back a little bit, so I don't know if you'll remember, remember if, if you meant to do this or not. Okay. But Chuck and I had an argument about this. In G.I. Joe Cobra, the G.I. Joe Cobra series, not the recent Cobra series, Yeah. Uh, you had Chuckles uh, mm-hmm. ordered by Cobra Commander before he got shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, order him to blow up a fishing village. Yeah. Okay. Was that an homage to G.I. Joe number one, where Cobra killed, dis- destroyed a fishing village? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> See, it sounds like a no. I didn't think so. Happy no, coincidence. I'll take it as that. No, that, but that clearly, um, that'd be so clever. So, of course, it is. <laughs> yeah. I win, thank you. Well, I, I explained to Chuck that writers also give homages. It's not just artists that give homages. And we happened to be in that, I think, that same episode we were covering. We were doing a retro look at G.I. Joe number one, and G.I. Joe's walking through this fishing village. And then we covered that issue of Co- G.I. Joe Cobra. And I was like, huh, Chuckles blew up a fishing village. And I was like, and that was caused by Cobra. And I was like, 
geez, I wonder if Mike did that as homage. And Chuck's like, no, there's no way in hell he did it. There's no such thing as that. He wouldn't do that. He didn't do that as homage. It's just coincidence. All right, look, I, I'll be honest. That was not that was not intentional. I didn't know about that. But I do do I do do things like that all the time. I mean, that's not out, like beyond the pale that I would do something like that. I I put like weird Easter eggs and and and, and you know homages and references in my work all the time. So yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that that's that's crazy. No. Okay. All right, now we're going to start looking for him in Cobra and pick him out. <laughs> yeah, please. Because <laughs> okay. um, there is. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head to prove it, and I, <laughs> I'm having a hard time. <laughs> but I, I, I do do it. I well, okay, well, uh, well. All right, this is a little bit more obvious, maybe. Um, but you know, like Serpentor's. Uh, character in uh, Cobra, you know, I um, obviously in the cartoon he's made up of the DNA from like all these different conquerors, and one of them is actually like Dracula and stuff, or Vlad the Impaler, I guess. Right. So you know, so I made his story in Cobra that uh, that you know he's this religious sort of figurehead, and that the religion that he has invented and that he, and the story, the legend that he creates for himself is that he is, he is the most recent avatar of, you know, uh, this God on earth and previous ones have been Rasputin and Hitler and all of these people that in cartoon he's made of their DNA, but I still, there's still that connection to all those, you know, horrible conquerors that exists, even though it's not done with DNA and some kind of, you know, right pseudoscience that I wouldn't be able to pull off. So it's more like an influence. That's not quite the same thing because obviously that's directly related to the character. Sure. Um but okay, well here's well here's a reference. Um in the first issue of of uh, uh of Cobra um or actually it's actually in the pre- in the prequel in, or in the in the uh, the 10 page right. GI Joe issue 0 story. Okay. Every single one of Chuckles' aliases is a is a has the last name of a comedian specifically comedians that appear on the Howard Stern show and that are friends of the Howard Stern oh, show. Okay. <laughs> and then in issue two, in issue two, he he makes a joke about uh, um, whether or not his his receiver can get uh, Howard Stern. And then I think there's another Howard Stern reference in like issue four or something. But it, but every single one of the of the names that he assumes is a fake identity on like page two or three of of issue zero is the last name of a comedian. And specifically, comedians that are on the Stern Show. I gotta go check that out because I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedians. So now I gotta go see who who I think those all were. So <laughs> yeah, if you know stand-up comedians, I think it'll be it'll be obvious. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and then uh, before we get into the new direction with Cobra, uh, and you mentioned Chuckles there, uh, issue number twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it blew both. Mine and Chuck's mind, as far as yeah, bra- bravo, bravo, thank you. It was just a nice wrap up of Chuckles' entire life mm-hmm. and what led up to everything there, and 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 it told the changes that were happening with within Joe itself, but it did it with a guy that's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I it like I said, it was just we had so many people on our forums that were just commenting like did you guys read this issue are you guys going to cover this issue like that as soon as i had it in my hands i had to read it right away and it it was impressive um but, well 
Thanks a lot. You know, I uh, if you guys want to hear the secret history behind that issue, sure. Um, yeah, please, please. So you might you may remember that after the first uh, Cobra miniseries, there was the Cobra special, which was Tomax and Sam. Right. And then after um, the second Cobra miniseries, which then became an ongoing series, but uh, there was still the second Cobra special, and it was about um, Chameleon, Chameleon, about Erica becoming Chameleon. Right. 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 So uh, when when Cobra. When Cobra was first coming out, when uh, before issue one came out, and I had finished writing all of it, you know, me and Chris, um, Andy Schmidt, the editor, had called me and asked if I wanted to do a one shot about Tomax and Zamot, and I said, "Sure, I'll do that." And he goes, "Yeah, I'm just asking you because I don't, you know, I think Chris, he came in and did the the miniseries, but I, I don't think he's going to want to do anymore. And and plus, you were the guy that kind of wrote all of it, and so you should, you know, you should keep keep." continue on i said for sure i'll do this one shot and i thought that would be the it you know like maybe i'll get another miniseries at some point but right so i was already working on the um well cobra special number one when cobra one came out gi joe cobra one and the first week it was out um thanks to guys like you and so many other people online it, it created people liked it so much that idw immediately decided to do a sequel yeah so we had a conversation that week about doing a sequel, and then somebody on the phone call, I don't know who, um, and because uh, it was me and Chris and uh, and Andy, and to Chris's great, you know, um, uh, graciousness, he said, Mike, if you don't want me, I, you know, you, you, this is your book, and I can step away. But I thought that if I lost Chris, it would the book would lose something, and I wanted it to be the same. I wanted it to be me, him, and Antonio doing the whole thing. So I. Uh, I said he should stay, and, I, and somebody said it should be a trilogy, and I said, great, it'll be a trilogy. And then that night, I wrote up the, the structure for the entire trilogy. Okay. That end, that where Cobra 2 is about um, Erica uh, sort of deciding to change sides, and uh, it ends with Chuckles in the clutches of Cobra Commander. And then... Um, Issue three, or I mean, and then and then and then and then a special two, which is about Erica, and then uh, volume three would have the death of Cobra Commander in it, and then there would be a Cobra special number three, which would be Chuckles. Okay. And the st- and the structure was all very specific, like because um, the the first special is about Tomax and Zamot, they're bad. The second special is about Erica, she's Cobra turning into GI Joe, and then the third special is about Chuckles, who is in GI Joe. Mm-hmm. So that was all. Everything was worked out very specifically. What ended up happening was that after Cobra 2 started coming out, IDW was so pleased with it, they decided to make it an ongoing series. Right. Um, so what was going to be Cobra 3 ended up being you know, issues 9, 10, or, or uh, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Okay. So then, because Antonio was going to be drawing them, we we had to give him a break because he couldn't do that many issues in a row. So that's why we had the Serpentor arc in the middle. We had to come up with that, and it all got weird. And basically, there was nowhere for Cobra Special 3 to fit. We only did the Special 2 because we had already been working on it when the decision was made to make it an ongoing series. So Cobra Special 3, basically, it just didn't work anywhere anymore. I couldn't make it an issue of Cobra, and it just wasn't going to happen. Okay. But then... You know, a year later, after we're doing the Cobra Civil War and then we did the Cobra Command, um, the idea was that issue 12 of each of the issues of, of Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe, and Cobra were going to be like an epilogue issue. 
And that's where I saw my chance to finally basically tell the story that I was going to tell Wrap it up, yeah. in, in the third special. But it, I think it is more effective this way because it's also about the changes that G.I. Joe went through, which are directly respons- – Chuckles essentially directly responsible, responsible for. Responsible for, yeah. Yeah, yeah because right. if he hadn't killed Cobra Commander, none of this would have happened. Right. So uh, th- it worked out better than it possibly could have if it had just been on its own. Yeah. But, but yeah, th- it was very important for me to have that final chapter because the one guy that that the whole story was kind of about, you don't really know anything about him. Yeah. And I, I thought it, we needed to see who he really was here at the very end and get like his story. And that's what that and, is always supposed to be. And I think what worked out perfectly for it also is I think that because people knew that Chuckles couldn't return. I mean, I guess comics, anything can happen. We never saw a body, so... But right. it was a nuclear explosion, so... Yeah. Uh, so don't do that to me, please. I I don't... He, yes, I realize he could survive, okay? There's some possible... Minute possibility he survives, <laughs> but... What I mean, Jones survived in refrigerator. Right, exactly. <laughs> I have said this many times, you know, since since issue uh, 13, last the previous issue 13 came out, um, I killed Chuckles. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's dead. The, it's not up to me whether or not what he comes back. What happens afterwards, sure. Yeah, sure. but but if he does come back, I won't be the guy writing it. Right. Not not like I'll quit right. or something. No, no, right. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Chuckles is dead. And I appreciate and, that, yeah. Um, because <laughs> Yeah, that's the part of the book that I really liked was the introduction of lesser-known like B-list, C-list characters that you brought in on Joe and Cobra on both sides, and also the part about the characters that we knew of, um, you know, Breaker, Steeler, where mm-hmm. they were not who we thought they were, right. uh, you kind of flipped the script on us a bit like that. I, that's the part to me that I that I liked about the book the most I, was characters that I know, you know, be this and see this because I grew up with G.I. Joe watching the cartoon and having the figures. I know these guys. Many people might not. And it's a nice tribute to those characters and the characters that I did know of. You know, even more of that maybe mainstream people would know of, like Steeler and stuff like that, or Breaker. You're turning them into people that we didn't know who they were. So it was always it always kept me interested in wanting to read it. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's one of the most fun things about um, working on Cobra is you know sort of sifting through the uh, the back catalog right. <laughs> and seeing like which character. I mean, that's, you know, I did it with Chuckles. Obviously, that was very intentional. Like, I picked Chuckles because he was a character that in the cartoon movie didn't do anything and just had a a dumb Hawaiian shirt, and I wanted to make an interesting character out of that. And and then I, you know, did it again with, well, actually, Chris did it with Crocmaster. He fell in love with Crocmaster, and and so that was his idea. And then Cobra 3, I brought in Big Boa because right. Big Boa's actual history is so incredibly strange and, and, and interesting to me. And it's, he's such a silly-looking character, so I wanted to make you know Big Boa cool. And then in the new, re- uh, the new launched book, just Cobra, I brought in the Headman. Right. Um, because I watched that, uh, you know, the headman is such an awesome character. The only character who ever uh, officially died in the cartoon was the headman. Um, he actually died. Wow. And, uh, I do not remember that, but okay. Yeah, I'm still watching the Deke series. Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, the headman dies. I, uh, well, do you guys, are you familiar with the headman? Like, do you know who that oh, is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah the, okay. The, the drug stuff. Yeah, yeah he's the drug, he's one of the drug dealer characters that popped up everywhere in the 80s for, like, the good guys and bad guys to band together to defeat because right. that's how bad drugs are. Right, right. 
And now, if you guys have read 13, you know which character I'm bringing back next. Holy and it's, crap. Yeah. Okay, well, before we get to that, because this will lead right into that. Okay. Your book, and I'm sure you go. this is what you're going for, or at least this is what you're hoping for every time. Every time Chuck and I read that, read a Cobra issue, almost every single time, we constantly either come into work the next day because we work together or oh. or text each other or call each other and say, holy crap, did you read Cobra? Because <laughs> there's there's almost always a holy shit moment okay. in that book where you're just like, I can't yeah, believe yeah. he did this with this character in a good way. I can't believe he did this yeah. with this character. I can't believe he's going in this direction. I never saw this coming. That type of stuff. Okay. That being said, <laughs> you. That being said, you 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 got to work Flash into the book somehow. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. No. That being that being said, you gave us two holy shit moments in Cobra Thirteen. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure you know what they are, but for our audience, we'll just say what they are. The first one, uh, which I thought was a big deal until I saw the second one. Uh, the first <laughs> the first one was uh, Tomax. Yeah. Being part of the Joe team. Yeah, and actually there was something in there too where uh, where Ronan uh, she goes mm-hmm. by Ronan now shoots him. <laughs> yeah, no, it was Chameleon that shot him. Oh, Chameleon. Chameleon. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. That's uh, can I, I'll tell you guys my secret technique for writing GI Joe, which is I, I also write another comic called Smoke and Mirrors. Um, that's actually my creator own comic, and so. You know, I have a lot more invested in that comic. I, I own part of it. It's it's a completely original idea that uh, that me and my collaborators in, you know created together, and um, it, it's it's sort of more personal in that way. But it's really hard to write um, for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is, and th- and that makes Cobra easy to write. And I and I've said I had a conversation about this a couple months ago with my editor. Where I'm like, it just you know, you have to have these characters talking to each other, and and just talking can get really boring. But in Cobra, whenever a conversation gets boring, I just have somebody shoot somebody. <laughs> and I've I've done it several times now. I did it with the Baroness, where you know, I mean, and literally, what's happening while I'm writing it is I'm thinking as I'm writing it, this is boring. <laughs> And then I th- and then I just have someone shoot somebody, really, because I feel like that's totally unexpected and, sure. and that's fun. And this character would do this. Sure, I didn't. So I didn't see it coming, and then I was like, "Crap, he just she just shot him." <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, other than awesome. other than the opening sequence of the comic, it's there's like probably five or six pages of solid conversation of characters talking to each other, t- explaining to each other what's going on, and it's all necessary because you have to catch people up. But it's very very boring. And so I, I knew that I was building to the reveal of, of Tomax, and, and I thought, well, Erica's not going to like that. Right. <laughs> and so what is, well, how about she just shoots him? Right. And so that's I'm glad that that worked for you guys, because that was my, my favorite moment of the comic yeah. was when she shot him. And, and I, liked, awesome. I liked how she followed it up with next time it's going to be a headshot. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. She's still pissed. Um, so before we get to the, the final reveal in that issue, um, we're going we're gonna to save that. Uh, the, so my, obviously my thinking is that, you know, having Tomax on the team is, is, is not going to be a good thing for the Joe team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to end bad. <laughs> um, but it's going to be a fun ride. Um, the other thing I, I want to thank you for, um, and I, I have no idea if you were eager to have him on the team, but I am glad to see Flint taking a, a 
a role, a main role in a, in a book. Uh, yeah. because he's always been one of my favorites. So, um, so I, well, I, I've always liked Flynn too. I've always liked Flynn a lot more than Duke. And I think there's a lot of people out there that feel that way. And I don't really know why. I, I think maybe it's because Duke, because he's the boss kind of is inherently less interesting. And since Flint isn't the boss, but he's still kind of a leader, he's more interesting. Yeah. At least in, I'm talking about the cartoon right. that we all you know grew up on. Right. Um, I'll, I'll uh, credit where credit is due. And I'll, when we talk about the end of the book later, I'll, I'll give credit there also. But, um, having Flint in the book was not my original idea. I, okay. uh, um, it was a, it came out of a conversation between myself and uh, John and Carlos, my two editors, um, and you know I have a very specific vision for Cobra. Even if I don't know exactly what's going to be happening, you know, in any given issue as it's coming up, I, I I know you know I know who my characters are. I know what I want the book to be, and that didn't have that that picture when we were as I was sort of developing this new era of Cobra did not have Flint in it, but either John or Carlos suggested that. And I think it was the piece that was missing. Um, at first I was kind of like, yeah, cause they, cause they, I mean, they don't make me do any, they could make me do it if they wanted right. to, cause they're my bosses. But, but, um, it was more like, Hey, you should, you know, how about this? Uh, this is the, here's an idea you should try out. Um, because we want, you know, maybe a, a more, a, a recognizable Joe in the book, which is something that we haven't had in a long time. And, uh, and at first I was kind of like, yeah, I'll think about it thinking like, no, I won't. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just tell you I thought about it and it doesn't work. But the more I thought about it, the more it really did work. And one, and no one's pointed this out yet, but you know, Lady J is a character in Cobra. She's right. there. Yeah. And you know, I asked to introduce Lady J back, you know, five or six issues ago. Like I, I, I came hat in hand to to Hasbro and to Chuck, and I was like, "Hey guys, can I have Lady J? We haven't seen her yet, and I would love. I have this idea for her." And they all said, "Fine." You know, nobody gave me a hard time on that. But you know, if you have Lady J, then I, the next logical thing is, well, Flint, right? How about Flint? <laughs> because that's just such a classic. Do, um, yeah. situation right. and I'm not saying that I'm going to you know start getting them together right away but I think that I'm, I'm certainly going to play on fan anticipation for that sure and also the thing about Flint in the comic is that uh, and the, th- the element that I think he brings to it that, that really makes it interesting is that I've never had in Cobra a character who is actually um, 100% good <laughs> uh, I in my mind Erica Latan Chameleon is a good person and has good uh, intentions, right. and you know, it, between you know, saving someone's life and and you know, going on her way, she will save that person's life. But she's done bad things. She was part of something bad, so she has to carry that with her. But Flint is just a straight laced, like he's in in my picture of Flint, he is like the American ideal of a special forces, yeah. you know, um, uh, soldier. He is. You know, he is like that guy on the commercials for the army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he's the guy you want to be. Great arrow. Yeah. 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 And and uh, I haven't had a character like that before, and and Cobra has not seen that guy, and I think it's going to be very interesting putting him in there with these people because they don't know a guy like that either. Right. You know, like Erica's never met that guy, and uh, and that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. So Flint is going to it's going to be a really cool part of the book, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting too because I don't know if Flint. I mean, in my mind, I, because Flint is that type of guy, and he always has been for me as well, um, I don't know if he's going to know necessarily how to handle this type of group. 
<laughs> this well, that's that's a very interesting point. <laughs> I guess you should keep yeah. reading. <laughs> There's a ride. Um, but also, you were mentioning Lady J, and I Lady J was also one of my all-time favorite characters. Um, I, I love that duo of Flint and Lady J uh, all through my childhood. But uh, I really loved how in the the wrap up of of the last Cobra run before you know before the whole Cobra Command started up and everything else, um, how in the Cobra Civil War how Lady J was. In my view, she was such a badass. Even she got stabbed, she got shot at, and everything else, and she still like drug across the ground, grabbed the knife, and s- stabbed Steeler in the leg. And I'm like, wow, yeah. she's tough. <laughs> yeah, Lady J is tough, and there will be, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that is very important to me, and I think that maybe is one of the things that makes Cobra you know, the book that it is for so many readers is that I, it's, it's important to me that things have emotional consequences and emotional stakes. And like, you know, Chuckles went on a really, really bad ride Mm -hmm. and everything that happened to him affected him deeply, even if he was trying to behave as though it didn't. And, you know, Erica is on a similar ride. It's a, it's a, it's a ride in the opposite direction, but she's got to deal with this stuff. And that fight that happened between, um, Steeler and, Firewall and Chameleon and Lady J is not something that I mean it's it's going to be a big event that is discussed a lot because three of them almost died. Oh yeah, and uh, oh, yeah. that happens all the time. You know, people get into horrible fights all the time and like movies and TV shows and comic books, and then it's like it never happened. But even if you're in the military, like if you're in a, some kind of a situation where you almost die, like even though you go out and fight again in a couple months, you remember that. Yeah, it's post traumatic. So that yeah. that. That is something that is that is a major event that is not going to just be forgotten. Yeah. So well, Chuck and I both thought everyone was dead at the end of that issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, and, and, that was and, one of our oh shit moments <laughs> where we text each other and called each other and we're like, oh my god, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and I wasn't exactly sure when I finished writing the issue who was going to be dead and who wasn't. Um, I think that they would have let me kill Firewall if I wanted to. Yeah. But I decided yeah. at the end that it would be more interesting to have all of them survive, and then all of them are going to take something else. All of them are going to take something different away from that. They're all going to be dealing with that in a different way, and that's what I thought was interesting about it, to keep them alive. Not just like, well, we can't kill these characters because they're too important, but the consequences of that will be different for each character. And actually, you'll see... Um, I think it's in the very next issue, actually, in issue 14. You will see Lady J and Chameleon sit down and actually talk about that fight and what happened, and you'll see how it affected both of them. Okay. Now, with Firewall, um, Chuck knows Joel way better than I do, um, but with Firewall, she was a creation by you, correct? Actually, I think Firewall, a character named Firewall, appeared in the DDP books, I think. Okay, Yeah, in the Devil's Um, Okay. Yeah, and she was a younger character, and uh, I think she was probably a computer hacker or something. But um, the, when, the, the character that I conceived as Firewall, uh, when I created that character you know, for the purpose of the story, it had no name. And I, and I went back through sort of the Joe files to find a name, because I don't like making up my own sure. Joe names if I can, if I can you know, avoid it. Right. And I found this name Firewall, and I think there's a moment, because she first appears in... in um, the Cobra or Cobra Special Number Two, where she, you know, right. Eric Ten is sitting there and she says, "I want to talk to Hawk," and she says, yeah, "Hawk doesn't talk to you. I'm I'm the firewall between him and you. I'm the person you talk to." Yeah. 
and that's really where the name came from. I, the The character will not have anything to do with with the other Firewall character beyond right. sort of the name. The name. But, yeah. Well, and the thing is, I, I find the name interesting too because she she kind of does try to work as a protector not only for Joe but also like between characters sometimes it seems. Like yeah. she's trying to to make sure that those conflicts don't bleed over uh, where they don't don't need to be. At least that's the impression I've gotten from her. Well, well, here's here's something you know to sort of float out there, and I, I'm I'm getting I'm I'm talking a lot about stuff that I don't normally talk about because I I, I try and stand by the maxim that a story should speak for itself. But, sure. Um, you know, one of the major sort of moments in Erica's life that we sort of examine in the Cobra special number two is her relationship with her mother. Right. Yeah. And you know how her mother was just completely sort of abandoned her and, uh, and never really saw her as a real person and only saw her as like this tool to use against the rest of her family. Um, so Erica doesn't have a great relationship with the mother. Um, but firewall is a very matronly yes. kind of motherly character. Yeah. And so, that's another reason why I kept Firewall alive because Firewall doesn't. Tr- I mean, Firewall treats Erica in a lot of ways like a, like a little girl who she cannot trust, and she does not give her any more responsibility than she has to. She scolds her all the time, mm-hmm. um, and in a way, their relationship is really contentious. But in another way, I think that there is someone. It would not be difficult to read. A, a certain amount of love and respect into that relationship, right. especially the way that it's been progressing. And then after surviving something like that together, there's, there's a lot of stuff about that that's floating out there that I am not unaware of. Right. Right. Um, and before I move on to the, to another book that you're going to be involved in or, or is coming out soon, um, uh, Chuck, did you have anything else you wanted to ask or say in regards to Cobra itself? Yeah, what about that second reveal? You're not going to touch on it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I totally forgot. Yes, the uh, the second reveal. Um, you didn't say it by name in the issue, from what I remember, but uh, I got to assume that's Billy at the end, right? That's that's Billy. Yeah. That is right. Billy. Yeah. yeah, I don't. The, I guess the they didn't put this in the sun. Yeah. I guess they didn't put this at the bottom, in the bottom of the issue, um, or even in the ad. Actually, I have the issue here, so I can take a look. But on the script, um, when I've turned to my scripts at the, the after the last panel, I always write if it's the if it's you know one part of an arc, I write continued, and if I if it's the end, I write end. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this one, I at the end I wrote next Billy. <laughs> so <laughs> so they didn't. I guess they didn't end up using it. But yeah, it's Billy. Yeah. Billy's coming. You'll, you guys are gonna meet Billy. Um, because nice. one of my theories at at one time for Craig was I thought Craig was gonna end up being Billy. Um, huh. uh, which I thought would would have been a, a unique take, but I, I like what what ended up be, being Crake, and I like what's been done with Crake since then. So then I was like, okay, could we possibly ever see Billy? And obviously, we're dealing with a very different Billy from any past version. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is going to yeah, be now in a real American it. hero. He's yeah, in a real American hero, Billy's dead. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I guess he's dead now, but hasn't he been dead before? Yes. And then I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever Larry wants to do, you know, that's what Larry's good right. at. Um, right, right. Uh, you know, he can do those really kind of uh, comic booky, soapy stuff. Uh, yeah. No, our Billy is going to be, you know, just like our version of Serpentor. It's, it's. We're gonna. I'm gonna try and remain as true as possible to the original sort of <clears throat> core of the kernel of what Billy is, mm-hmm. but then have a 
different kind of take on it that hopefully people find interesting. Um, but yeah, Billy, and, and I, and like I said earlier, um, credit where credit is due, Billy was not my idea. It was, uh, um, a conversation that I had with Carlos Guzman. I think it was at Comic-Con last year. So that had been a year ago almost. Um, I, it may have been some other time, but I, I remember it being Comic-Con. We were sitting in some bar somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. like you do at Comic-Con. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't remember how it came up or what the situation was, but, but he was like, you know what you should do, man? You should do Billy and I, or something <laughs> like that. Or maybe we were talking about something else and it came up. I, I, I wish I could remember more specifically how it came up, but, but he was the guy that suggested Billy for the book. Okay. And as soon as he said it, I, I was like, yes, I, I don't know if I ever would have thought of it on my own, but yeah, that's totally something. And, and then it became so perfect because at the time I was, I was working on Cobra Command and I knew that my end of Cobra Command, you know, the Cobra end, was going to be about um, this coup that Blood, Serpentor, and Tomax were going to right. be attempting, which was going to then end with Tomax and Blood fleeing and being right. betrayed by Serpentor so that I could set up Tomax to join, quote-unquote, join G.I. Joe. Um, but I didn't know what the details were, and then I thought, well, okay, well, this is how we'll introduce Billy, and we're going to do a soft introduction. So there's that moment, I don't know if you guys remember, where Serpentor sort of shows Tomax something. He shows blood first, and then he shows Tomax later. Right, you don't right. see what it is, but both of them are like, wow, is this real? And he says yes. So then, you know, if Hasbro at some point was like, wait a second, we can't do Billy, and then, I, then that's still okay, because I can make that something else. Something else, right. <laughs> but that was Billy. Yeah, that, that's wow. it's Billy. Now, he... He, like I said, he looks like he's younger, at least from what it seemed. Is is he like in his teens or I mean? No, Billy's a grown. He's in his twenties. He's, he's in his twenties. Okay. You see, you see a lot of different pictures of him being young and, and like a graduation and stuff. Okay. I, I think in the script I said it's just a bunch of, it's like a dossier of his life. Gotcha. You know? Okay. So Antonio okay. drew a lot of him looking younger and a lot of those things. But when you meet him, he's like mid twenties. So does and obviously you only reveal what you feel like you want to reveal, but. Is he aware of who his father was, or I will that... tell you that he is aware. Okay. Billy does know who his father was. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good enough. Because yeah, the, yeah. The image seemed he's he's uh, really young. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I mean Billy. Uh, you know, from those images, it appears as though he's had kind of a normal life. Right. Um, right. Right. He looks okay. Right. He doesn't look but, damaged. <laughs> right. I mean, he's not growing up. You know, actually. Within a terrorist organization, at least not. But then you, we have to remember the first Cobra Commander was not Craig, uh, meaning right. like right. the first Cobra yeah. Commander was was a person out in the world. I think actually that was Chuck's one of his most ingenious ideas ever uh, was the line in GI Joe number one, the relaunched GI Joe number one, where they're they're sort of taking Cobra Commander's body out of the the the, the building after he's been killed. Right. And then, you know, Baroneth or someone says we have to fake a plane crash so that, you know, the world will have a, a sort of an explanation of where this of where he went, mm-hmm. suggesting that he that whoever Cobra Commander is behind the mask is someone the world knows. Maybe knows. it's right. it's a president or it's it's Donald Trump or it's somebody. Right. And that had never occurred to me. But so many pieces fell into place when Chuck wrote that line. Yeah. So. Yeah, so whereas Crake, Crake is only Cobra Commander, you know, like that's right. all he is. He is that guy. Right. Um, so it's possible that this other commander had a son that could have a relatively sort of normal 
you know, lifestyle and also one that's kind of privileged and wealthy. So, yeah, we're, Billy knows who his dad is, yes. Cool, cool. Uh, well, you, you have another book coming out that, uh, that we cover on our show, which is uh, touching a little bit on uh, Casey Jones there. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I just got a bunch of the art back today, actually. Um, that was really fun. Uh, it's just a one shot, I, though I, I hope that I can do more later. Right. Um, and it was actually through a friend of mine, one of my really good friends here in Los Angeles, a guy named Ben Epstein. Uh, he's also a writer. He wrote for TV. He recently, just a couple months ago, sold a pilot to MTV. Um, and he's uh, written uh, movies and stuff. Nothing that's ever been made yet but he's been paid for it um so you know he's a he's a not only my friend but like a legit writer but he's never written comics but he he's always loved comics okay and weirdly he knew this guy bobby bobby kuro who is the editor an editor down at idw who handles teenage mutant ninja turtles he knew bobby from college i guess okay so it was just a strange coincidence that like one day i was down visiting idw and bobby was like hey you know my friend ben i said yeah i do so when when um, when Bobby took over uh, TMNT or started working on it with Scott Doonbeer, um and Ben found out, he went to Bobby and he said, "Please, I love the Turtles. I would love to write something with uh, with uh, in that universe." And Bobby said, "Yeah, that's cool. Uh, maybe you should write it with Mike Costa because I because <laughs> I think Bobby's idea was like, I don't know if I can sell a comic by like a first." time writer to you know the higher ups at idw but if a, a writer we know is attached then then totally it'll work right and so that's how that came together like i i just got a phone call from uh from ben and he was like hey okay i talked to bobby and we we, we can totally do a casey jones thing if we want and i was like okay i i so i didn't approach you know that kid that was handed to me okay but it, was, but it was really fun it was cool to write for those characters and you know uh, it's the the book is really about casey's uh it sort of fills in Casey's backstory. Uh, there's, okay. you see a lot more of his relationship with his dad, okay. and you see, uh, you know, what happened to his mom. And I think it's been mentioned by now in the in the main book that he sort of made some kind of promise to his mom. Yes. Um, you see what that promise is. That's sort of what we get into. Okay. Okay. But he also beats up a lot of people with a hockey stick. Cause of it's course. A Casey Jones comic. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Now, uh, with it being a, a focus on Casey Jones, and we've seen this with a lot of the other micro series, uh, do we see him interact much with the Turtles, or is it just very focused on him? Uh, no, Raph is there. I mean, Raph is kind of like his best friend at this point. Right, um, right. So Raph is, yeah, definitely in it. I mean, it's it's certainly about Casey, and it's more about him, but Raph, Raph is, is there, yeah, okay. for sure. Very cool. Um, is that, I mean, is is that a world that you would like to explore? You know, if you have the opportunity to to explore yourself into as far as, you know, jumping into something with turtles or anything like that. You know, I would. But um, yeah, I would. I would love to. I I, I would love to. Uh, I think that, you know, Kevin Eastman um, has got a plan. <laughs> and, right. uh, you know, there's obviously there's other people who have been working um, on the book that uh, I have to I, I really have to sort of find a place that hasn't been covered yet because sure. you know, I, it's, it's always, it's always a worry for me to step on other people's toes and I don't ever want to do that. It's, right. At this point I've been working on GI Joe for so long um, with Chuck that I don't really worry about that anymore. And we'll send each other emails every once in a while. So he just recently sent me an email about Serpentor because Serpentor is going to be a character that he deals with a lot in um, I think 16 and 17 of Joe. Okay. 
And so he's like, hey, we found this out about Serp- like, does, do we know if Serpentor has this kind of situation going on? Like, do we? Does he have the guards, and what do they do? And I said, I, that's up to you, Chuck. Like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't established Serpentor having like an army. So, okay. if you want Serpentor to have guys with guns on them, then go for it. <laughs> um, but the, and I'll send him emails too. Like, hey, I want to use a Fobbit. The one character that I did create whole cloth for um, for Cobra was Clockspring. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you, I mentioned Clockspring yeah. uh, in like issue six or seven of of uh, of previously, but it was only ever just a mention. And I was I, and I emailed Chuck and I said, "Hey, is there some Fobbit character that I can use?" Because originally I wanted to use Mainframe, but then uh, we decided to do something different with Mainframe. So right. he, he's going to be in Chuck's book instead. So I had okay. to come up with something else. But but yeah, there's an example of like emailing Chuck and saying, "Hey," and then I just made up a character. So Clockspring is not real. That's a okay. that's a that's a character that I made up. But okay. Yeah. Well, and the reason I asked with the turtles thing is is obviously you know like you said Eastman has his direction of what he wants to do, and, and it's been fantastic. Um, but I also know that there have been other titles that have come out of Turtles, such as Tales of the TMNT and things like that. So I just didn't know if like there was an opportunity to do a book like that. Uh, it's it's definitely a conversation. I'm ha- see. Here's here's my problem. My problem is that I want to write I want to write about like Mondo Gecko and like Wingnut <laughs> Screwloose and like these crazy <laughs> characters that that don't really fit. It doesn't fit into what they're doing right now. Right. You know? right. Like so. I have to wait and see. <laughs> or at least yet. It doesn't fit in yet. Right. It doesn't fit in. Exactly. It doesn't fit in yet. Because, they're look, they're doing it like they did G.I. Joe, which I think is very smart, which is they they have a very clear direction they want to go in, and they're starting small, and they're going to expand out gradually because you can't immediately flood the market with, like, you know, uh, there's a reason why G.I. Joe didn't meet Cobra right away, that we built up to that. And I think that you know Turtles are doing the same thing. I think it's like issue 9 or 10 that they finally really get into their first conflict with the Foot Clan. Right. So, well, And also I think it was the, um, Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the Raphael micro-series issue where we saw Bebop and Rocksteady in human form, but they never mentioned that they're named Bebop and Rocksteady, but Turtles fans know that it's Bebop and Rocksteady? Right, right. There was an homage there to that. Yeah. Well, the right. next issue that we're going to read is the introduction of Shredder, so... Right. Exactly. So they're doing everything really slow. So, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, Muckman is, <laughs> is a ways away. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but I would love to write some of the crazier out there characters because that would just be really, really fun. Um, or, you know, I, I do a, I would do a lot of things. So I, I'm glad that I got my toe in the water because I, I would definitely like to do more um, uh, turtle stuff. Yeah. And, and certainly, obviously, uh Fortunately, you worked. You did a worked on a character that is certainly loved by fans and will be noticed uh, with that issue. Let's hope at least. Yeah, and I, and I really also want to give all credit to Ben because uh, sure. the, the situation that I that we had on that book was was very similar to uh, to my situation with Chris on GI Joe, which is like, you know, Chris was the writer that got the book greenlit, and then he brought me on, and then said. Here, write this, and I will sort of, you know, I'll I'll stand over you and I'll and I'll polish what you do, but you're the one writing it. And and with the situation with um uh the the Casey Jones thing is very similar. The the story was something that Ben and I talked about, but Ben really wrote the first draft, and he had never written a comic book before, so he wrote it in screenplay format. And then my job was to go in and make it into a comic book. But okay. 
it's it really, you know, I, I want to give Ben as much sure. credit as he deserves. Like he wrote that. And then sure. I, I, I pitched in with around the edges and we came up with a story, but that's, that's Ben's comic. And I'm really glad that, you know, one that I got to work on a comic with a friend of mine, but two that I got to help a friend of mine, like realize a dream of writing a comic. Well, he wants to do Sure. Yeah. Like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic it was very yeah. cool. Very cool. Now. And again, I don't want to, you want you to reveal anything cause we want to read the issue and, and enjoy it. But, uh, you mentioning characters and, and things like that, characters that interest you in the story, this could just be left as a yes or no. Um, is there other characters outside of uh, Raphael and Casey that have not been seen yet in, a, in the new Turtles universe or any nods to things from Turtles that hasn't been seen yet? No, it, okay. it's, a, it, it's a very personal story about Casey. So we didn't we haven't introduced uh, any uh, any other, you know, characters. Okay. And you know what I'd love? To, I would love. I think they're they're about to start introducing uh Actually, I don't know. I don't know if they are, but I would love to write Krang, man. Oh, yeah. I would love, I would love to write. I don't know what the conception for Krang is yet. I, I don't know if they're going to go back to the more, to the original, you know, Eastman and Laird idea where it's just a whole race of, like, brains that live in, you know, it's not specifically a guy named Krang who wants to conquer the universe, but. Right. Well, uh, what they've, what they've yeah, shown. We've, we've so got far. a Krang now, yeah. Yeah, what they've what shown so okay. far. Yeah, what they've shown so far is it's, it's something inside a giant body uh we know that the body is man yeah we know that the body is not actually krang we know that something is controlling the body uh they have shown another dimension that they refer to as neutrino okay Um, good see i i honestly i don't know what's out there yet so i'm talking in a way that in case i I don't want to give right right because i've seen that too but i wasn't sure that it had been published so yeah no yeah so that's about as far as we've gotten (laughs) so we know that he he's out there and we know that he's from another dimension um and that's about all we know so far they haven't really i don't think chuck they haven't really actually like revealed what krang looks like yet correct like as far as if he's a brain or whatever the heck he is yeah they haven't really come out and said exactly what he is yeah okay all right so that's about as far as we've gotten so far. Okay, good, good. But, uh, all right. Uh, well, I, I thought we'd just, uh, Chuck, unless you have anything else you want to ask when it comes to issues or, or anything like that going, I thought we'd go ahead and jump into, well, we have a couple listener questions that they wanted us to ask, and then we have the firing range. So Yeah, the, the only question I had would be if there's any kind of a possibility of a sneak peek with any of the new characters that you're looking to develop in the ongoing Cobra, any uh, like for classic second, homages. Were, for a second, I thought you were actually asking about Sneak Peek. <laughs> I was going to say, Sneak Peek? He's awesome. I, think, I think Sneak Peek is in the Joe book. I think we've seen him already. Yeah, yes, we have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the, the Cobra book, how you introduced, like, you know, um, like you brought back Big Boa, you croc, croc Master. Right. Are there any other characters, you know, on the shelf that you're looking to bring back? Well, uh, I mean, obviously Billy. Um, that's kind of clear. I mean, even though we don't say it at the end of the issue, it's it's Billy. Right. Um, and then uh, I'll tell you this: the uh, the Billy arc <laughs> arc is uh, is four issues. The issue after that is a one shot um, about a character who I'm I'm not going to mention who it is, but you will see who it is. It's a character we know already, but it's you'll see him next issue, and then. The one-shot issue that follows uh, the the final Billy arc or final story of uh, issue of Billy is about him, and then the next arc is, I will say yes, it definitely introduces, um, 
something that is not been touched yet in this current Joe universe that uh, that was a big deal in the previous in other Joe incarnations. And I'm not going to say water who because they give too much away. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, but okay. yeah, okay. We're, we have, it's a it's a big thing. Yeah. Well, we have we have. I'm sure Chuck and I both have guesses popping in our heads, and I'm sure uh, our people that listen to this episode will jump immediately on the forums and start plugging in who they think it is. And so it always makes for good conversation. So I, I, I really want to hint at, we have a whole marketing campaign that hints at it, but I don't know if they've launched it yet. That's so, fine. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to yeah. do it, but you'll no. start seeing hints and you'll, you'll probably know immediately when you see the hint. Cause it's okay. kind of, a, okay. I need, I, I'm waiting enough. for my flash one issue, the, <laughs> the cutter one shot. <laughs> iceberg so i'm waiting on those guys so <laughs> all right so we did have a couple uh questions that because i put out on twitter uh hey does anyone have any questions that they would want to know from from costa and we we had uh a, just a couple okay. uh one one weird one but that's all right uh, <laughs> so the one normal one that we got was that there was a huge um at least in our community that we noticed a huge uh panic around c2e2 when there was a hint oh yes that a joe book might get dropped or yeah, that I joe was, might go down to one title yeah, i was there i was there when that quote-unquote announcement was made it wasn't even an announcement it was just right. an offhanded comment um so what's the question, the question so basically is is there is has there been any talks of of joe books dropping recently um they're okay. I mean, look, what we want to do with GI Joe is we always want to keep it fresh. And this is something that, uh, Chuck and I and, uh, and John Barber, the current editor and Carlos, uh, the other editor, um, have talked about, I've been talking about for a long time. And one of the great things I think that happened was, you know, I wrote the GI Joe Cobra and I designed it as a trilogy where the Cobra commander dies at the end and that was all I was going to do. I was going to leave after that. The, the, actually, issue 12 that you just read last month was ostensibly going to be my last issue of G.I. Joe that I ever wrote. That was my plan. You know, okay. my, that was my plan three years ago. Um, but then, you know, we did the whole ongoing thing. So I had to do right, the Serpentor arc. And the, but then what really happened was Chuck took the idea of Cobra Commander being killed and created this concept of the Cobra Civil War right. and said, you, you know, here's the idea. Here's what your book could be. We should do this. And I thought that was such a great idea that I said, yeah. And then, the, and then it was like, well, what happens after the Cobra Civil War? Well, then after the Cobra Civil War, we'll be a big crossover where G.I. Joe fights Cobra in this huge way called Cobra Command. And we're going to write it together. And I said, yeah. And then what do we do after that? So – we're always sort of changing what the book is. And, and we knew that after Cobra Command that G.I. Joe would be sort of – that Cobra and G.I. Joe would almost trade places. Now Cobra is a gigantic military presence, and G.I. Joe is a fractured group of uh, cells. Right. You know, so it's it, – it, that was very intentional. Now they're totally opposite sides of what they were at the beginning of the book. So – we yes, we have definitely had conversations about what can we do next, but it has nothing to do with we're going to get rid of you know my book or right. we're going to drop this or something. It's just about changing what the book will be. Gotcha. So that's that's what was sort of being hinted at, gotcha. but that's no different than what we've been doing the whole time. Right. 
So right. it's yeah, and and as I said, I think immediately because I saw Twitter explode with that, and I I went on Twitter, and I said immediately, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still on GI right. Joe. I'm still writing it. I remember and, seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's still the case. Chuck and I are still going to be doing what we're doing. Um, you know, but we, it, that's something in the future that (laughs) that's like this time last year when we were talking about cobra command if something leaked about that then what am i going to say like oh yeah so eight months from now there's going to be a big crossover and then after (laughs) that the book changes and it becomes an espionage like it just it's so far in the future that you know you never know what's going to happen next right right so just don't worry about it i'd say (laughs) well and and i remember following on twitter that day because i saw someone posted on our our facebook page one of our our listeners posted on facebook and someone else posted it might have been the same guy or might have been somebody different posted on uh our forums and i was like wait wait this is just people are running way too wild with us let's wait slow down find out what's going on and then i saw your twitter post and i was so i made sure to to let our listeners and fans know hey you know Cobra's not going anywhere, or at least according to you know Costa, he's not going anywhere. At least maybe yeah. maybe Cobra is, but he's still going to be on something if right. if the Cobra title goes away. Um, and and I actually liked how you responded too, because and I'm sure this is exactly how I would expect you to react, which is you know you were very thankful that everyone was concerned for you. Yeah, it was very <laughs> flattering that people were immediately worried about that. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I, and I'll say this also because the context was lost because, but I was, like I said, I was there. It was actually a comment made at a retailer panel. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the day before C2E2 actually started, um, there was a big sort of retailer quote unquote convention where retailers from all different stores around the country who were going to be there for the convention, uh, met with in like, in like panel rooms with different publishers and since I'm doing this, you know, uh, creator-owned book, myself and the artist and the other co-creator, the magician for that book, were there for that, so we could talk to them about it. And um, here's here's an interesting dichotomy that I've learned: it's that fans always want more comics. Like oh, yeah. uh, when when we do panels at conventions, fa- some fan always raises his hand and says, you know, like like I was saying, like when are we going to get the uh, the the um, <clears throat> Rat King miniseries, you know, for, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. When is right. the Rat King miniseries coming out? And everyone's like, woo! Or, you know, <laughs> like, well, when are we going to get, you know, whatever? And and when we do the retailer panels, the retailers say, can you guys publish less comics? Right. <laughs> because, because and, and it, it's that's the sort of the reality is for all of these enthusiastic fans that want to buy all these comics, there's just not enough of them. So... You know, right now we're publishing four G.I. Joe comics. Okay. We're publishing, and that's not even counting right. the movie tie-ins, which I'm sure we'll eventually. I don't know anything about those, but I assume we're doing them. Yeah. So right. any given, you know, there there could be a month this year, maybe next year, now that the movie's pushed, where there are like six G.I. Joe titles on the stands. Yeah. As a retailer, that's a hard decision to make, man. Sure. Like, are you going to order, you know, thirty copies of each of those things? That's a shitload of books. So, like, what Dirk was saying in that moment was, we are aware that uh, of of flooding the market with all these different titles for these properties, and we're being very careful, and a lot, of, and we're talking about how we can contract some of these lines so that things like that don't happen, so that we don't have, you know, five Dungeons and Dragons comics coming out when we could do it in three, things like that. 
Right. And and it was within the context of G.I. Joe. So it was really more of a technical conversation about how a company operates and stays profitable and how retailers stay profitable rather than we're looking at G.I. Joe and thinking about cutting a book. That, that wasn't right. it at all. So that's that's to provide some context. That's what that okay. was. Well, and then the, the other listener question that we had, the, the odd one, uh, might actually play into what you were just talking about, which is fans want – their their comics and they and they want they also want their creators that they like on those comics. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I think this question came from. But someone asked, with IDW doing Battle Beast coming up, <laughs> uh, which we're going to cover on this on the show because even though it's different than the '80s property, it's still kind of somewhat related to it. So yeah. we're gonna, we're going to cover it on the show because it's an '80s property. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to know. Uh, would you write Battle Beasts? <laughs> um, I would. I totally would. I don't know. I, I think that's also Bobby, the guy who's doing yeah. Transmutant Neutrals, is doing yeah. that as well. Yeah. I don't actually know what they're doing for that book. I haven't seen anything for it. But but honestly, this is no joke. Um, one of the things that I that I decided I wanted to do today, or that I've been thinking about for the past couple of days, is to call Bobby, ostensibly to talk about TMNT, but then to say. So what about Battle Beast? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm legitimately curious. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it seems like a really fun property. I don't know what their take on it is. Yeah, um, I did read the I read the Ashcan edition. Okay, uh, which came out I think at C2E2 also, and it's basically what it sounds like is that they're going with the the main concept, which is a humanoid type animals uh, okay. that wear armor, and right. they, they battle each other, and there's factions, and it's there's this one group that have decided that they don't understand why we're, we're why we're fighting. Okay. And they I think if I remember right, they've realized that there's some artifacts out there that can provide some clarity or answers and these artifacts are on Earth, so there's gonna be a whole invasion of battle beasts coming to Earth. Okay. So. That sounds that sounds crazy. You know what I you know what I really like, and you wouldn't know this from reading Cobra, I guess, but I love crazy out there concepts, you know, like yeah. humanoid animals and battle armor. Like I just, I love the weirdness of it. And I, I would totally love to work on something like that for sure. Well, I know that they're doing, a, it's just a mini series at first. And then obviously yeah. just like anything else, if it does well, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll, it'll follow. Like you said, we're going to be covering it. We're going to, you know, I really liked what I saw just from the Ashcan edition. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting, but well, good. Hopefully, hopefully, at some point, we'll get you on something really weird. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, going into uh, well, before I get into the firing range, Chuck, do you have anything else you wanted to ask before I jump into these? No, I'm good. Go ahead. Okay, cool. All right. So, uh, as you know from the last time, these questions can really they might pertain to the comics, they might not. They sure all over the place. So, I am excited about this. All right. So, who wins? Okay. Uh, Boba Fett or Snake Eyes? Boba Fett. Okay. Thank you. Wrong. <laughs> Why is that wrong? He's got a rocket pack. What is Snake Eyes going to do when he's flying around him with his rocket pack? Exactly. Mike, I'm Mike, going Mike, to... Mike, 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 he's a ninja. <laughs> See, oh, look, here's my problem with Snake Eyes, okay, is that he's just one step from Invincible, and I actually think that Chuck does a good job of sort of, you know, dealing with that, but yeah. an Invincible character is not an interesting character, and that's it's something that I'm sort of trying to figure out with Ronan because we've sort of established Ronan as a similar kind of Snake Eyes character, but it's that's why you know, so many writers will tell you that, that Superman is boring or that Superman is hard to write because it's hard to write somebody who's that powerful. Right. 
Um, it's the weaknesses that make somebody interesting. And right now, Snake Eyes kind of doesn't have a weakness. But that said, um, you know, I'm going to assume that Boba Fett's armor is bulletproof. And I'm going to say that he just flies around in his rocket pack and then shoots, you know, like a, a bolo net at him or something and captures him. And then, you know, I mean, caught Han Solo. Come on. Yeah, yeah but, but Han Solo was no ninja, sir. <laughs> well, my in my argument to Chuck was um, if it was just a hand-to-hand fight, I would say Snake, Snake has would win. But considering that they both have everything available to them that they normally have, my argument was that Boba Fett would win because... He's an intergalactic bounty hunter. Snake Eyes is an Earth ninja. There's right, exactly. Boba Fett could strafe him and slave one. Right? Exactly. He could, like he could destroy. I mean, Boba Fett isn't going to care. He doesn't have like a moral code, really, right? So no. he could just he could level the building that Snake Eyes is in easily with like. I mean, Boba Fett would. Yeah, I don't yes, know if you read I, the last Snake Eyes issue or not, but Snake Eyes just killed a bunch of people. Well, yeah, okay. Look, I agree with Ryan that if it was hand to hand combat, Snake Eyes would win. But all right, thank you. That's all I need. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Chuck just likes to hear that he wins, and then he doesn't want the conversation to go any further. I've got a, I've got a whole GI Joe arsenal of Sky Strikers I can take up. Like I've got everything. <laughs> okay. Well, if we're gonna bring in everybody, then both yeah, of then he has the, the bounty hunters. Him. Yeah, the Empire, the bounty hunters. Well, he just, doesn't. He doesn't belong to the Empire. He's a bounty hunter. He's on his own. Well, I'm sure you could call in Vader for a favor. I don't yeah. know. He's helped out Vader a few times. I bet Vader would help him. Yeah. Well, Vader's dead. <laughs> well, where, where are we going with this? Boba Fett's dead. I don't I mean, know. It's right. Boba. <laughs> the next question. <laughs> um. All right. It is seven hundred dollars about a grand. Uh. That's really iffy. That's right on the razor's edge. I think. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no, because I'm gonna say you gotta be within like 150 dollars. Okay, but there is a limit. Here, here's where here's where the argument came from. Okay, Um, here we go. IDW has announced that they're going to be putting in hardcover editions the A Real American Hero run. All right. Uh, So we both have been collecting the trades, the paper trades. Uh, yeah. And we were like, "Holy crap!" Now I got to start getting the hardcovers because I want them in. Har- I've always wanted them in hardcover. Uh, yeah, and there's there's 15 of these trades. Right, there's 15 of the trades, and we said, "Well, you know, realistically, they'll probably it'll probably be less than 15, but let's just say there's 15." Okay. And we said, "Let's say these trades go for about you know 35 dollars, which is what the Transformers ones have been kind of like pricing wise as far as what we've been able to get them for." Yeah. Um. So we. So Chuck goes, well, crap, that's going to cost me about a grand. I says, no, Chuck, it's going to cost you about roughly 700 maybe 750 somewhere around there, if there's you know, 15. You know what? Okay, I'm going to amend my judgment here. <laughs> because because the, here's the thing. Like, what you're talking about is, uh, it's just so hard to articulate, but I understand. I, I think that Chuck is right in this, and I'll tell you why. Thank <laughs> because you. Right. Thank if you. If you project out an expense like that, and you and you're doing like math, and you're saying I have to buy all of these things, and all these things together are going to be about a thousand dollars. That's not the same thing as saying, um, "How much do you owe me? I owe you about a thousand dollars." When it's when it's seven hundred bucks, you see, like it, like it's because it's an accretion of things that equal that, and and you're and you're and you're it's sort of woe begotten, like oh, it's this big expense that I'm going to have to pay. To buy all these things, it's going to be about it's going to be like a thousand dollars. That's not the same thing as saying 
I found about $1,000 on the street. Oh, really? How much? 700 bucks. That's not $1,000. You know, like that's yeah. – I'm going to say Chuck is right in this. Uh, See, see that's exactly what I was trying to yeah. articulate to Ryan. I just he, didn't have yeah. the words. Well, and he was – and what he was saying is he says, well, it might as well be – he says, well, $1,000, it, it might as well be $1,000. I said, it might as well be a million dollars. And he goes, well, right. No, go, that's getting crazy. <laughs> no, no, man. It's way closer to 1000 than a million. I mean, come on. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I just – I said to him – so what I told Chuck is exactly kind of what you were saying there which is i said to him well let me i'm gonna borrow a thousand dollars from you and i'll pay you back about a thousand <laughs> that's not what i was that's not the vibe yeah, I was but that's to not that's not within the spirit of the of what he's saying yeah hey, when i look at it as far as money coming out of my pocket i try to figure try to project it's, it down to the yeah, dollar how much it's gonna be <laughs> it's, it's not so weird be a- how close it's so weird how close mike is to me it's so weird <laughs> I doesn't agree with you on Boba my, my brother from another mother <laughs> All right, uh, wetsuit or torpedo? Uh, okay, that's tough. Uh, now, so is torpedo the one with the parrot, or is that no that's that's shipwreck. shipwreck? That's shipwreck. Okay, because my my torpedo yeah, right. is the, the the Navy Seal, the first edition of the Navy Seal. Right, is, uh, is, is wetsuit... Wetsuit's wait, wait. the other Navy SEAL, the... Right, and then there's Deep Six, who's got the giant suit, right? Right, right. right. so okay. right. Torpedo wore a... And Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong, but it wore gray and black... Um, yeah, gray and black diving suit. Diving right. suit, and wetsuit wore the powder blue with the orange... Uh, yeah, wetsuit, powder blue yeah, and wetsuit orange. had the actual fins, right? Right. Well, they both right, did. So well, they both had oh, they both did? Oh, yeah. man. That makes it so hard because look, if it was if it was shipwreck, I'd say shipwreck right away, and if it was it was deep six, I'd say not I'd say not deep six right away. Now, one of the differences is that wetsuit that's, that's good. Wetsuit did come with the little uh, diver robot, orange diver robot. Oh really? It was like a lamp. It was like a it was like a, a it was like lamp. Those, it was like those robotic like, uh, propelling things that you see. Divers okay. go down with right, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you hold yeah. on to it and it drags you. Right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, then not. Well, then not him because that gun. Right. Well, then I say not him because that means that the other guy can actually swim. <laughs> there you go. Torpedo. All right. I Torpedo. like. I like yeah. wetsuit. So that was really hard, but yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> I think I figured it out. Yeah. All right. Remember. Remember too, I'm, I'm the one that's buying your books. <laughs> okay. Talking okay. about I Cobra all the time. You didn't buy Blackhawks. <laughs> that's true. Like, that's we've true. Already, already said that that wasn't my cup of tea. And and you stopped buying Transformers. <laughs> well, right after he was done with it. It wasn't because oh, he, it wasn't because he left the book though. <laughs> well, I don't it was care. Changed. I, I didn't want to get invested into robots in disguise and more than me. Buy, are you going to buy Casey Jones? Yes. It's only one issue. I mean, you you're a liar. <laughs> it's one issue, and now I feel obligated, so yes. I can tell you right now, Chuck's lying. <laughs> I'll buy it. I'll buy it. All right, I'm going to add it to your order. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Tomorrow at work, he's going to come up to me. Don't add that to my order. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I understand. Chuck's got a budget, so it's, it's fine. Um, all right, uh, first album you ever had? Um. This is this is such an embarrassing answer. I wish it was cooler. Uh, it was uh, CNC Music Factory. <laughs> nice, nice. But that was well. That was the first CD. I mean, in terms of first cassette tape, that's a lot harder because I I don't remember buying them really. I just I remember vividly CNC Music Factory, the first CD. The second one was Michael Jackson's Dangerous, 
And then the third one was uh, Flood by They Might Be Giants. And I wish that was my first one. <laughs> but no, it was CNC Music Factory. Street uh, cred. <laughs> where where that question even came from was the day I was writing these questions down was the day that uh, 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 the BC Boys guy passed. Oh, Adam Yausch, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was my first album was Licensed to Ill. So, oh, it's a great album. See, that's way cooler. That's the yeah. that's a super cool answer. But huh? here's here's yeah. the not cool part of it though was that uh, it became cool later. But my aunt got it for me for Christmas because she knew I was getting a stereo system for Christmas. And she asked the guy at the store, well, what are the kids into? And they gave her that album. Well, I wasn't really into rap at the time. I was like, what the hell is this? Huh. Now I listened to it because she got it for me, and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. so at first I wasn't thrilled about getting it, but then I learned I learned the error of my ways. So, And yeah, my, my first one was Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Nice. Wait, really? Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's... I don't know. That's about equal to CNC Music Factory, I guess. <laughs> hey, what are you talking about? Don't think I'm Bon Jovi. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> bon Jovi. We, we do not hate Bon Jovi. We're like Bon Jovi show. apologist or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We love the Jovi. Yeah, we love the Jovi. What? Uh, all right. Uh, your favorite toy growing up? Uh, like single toy or like a single toy? Single toy. <sighs> it's really tough to say. I really loved. I mean, this is when I was, you know, little, but I loved my my pet monster. Okay. I loved that thing. It was awesome. I, you could like punish it and throw it around. It would never tear, or, or, yeah. or like you know that, that thing. The big blue monster. Yeah, the big blue monster. Yeah, yeah. With the shackles. Yeah, those the shackles on the leg shackles. or something. Yeah. Yeah, you put him on his hands with uh, Velcro, and it would snap apart. It was like a, a a link that would break on purpose, like it broke out of its shackles. Um, that thing was awesome. Uh, I know that, Chuck, I'm noticing something with uh, the comic book creators. They have something about bashing, uh, beating up plushy <laughs> animals. Punishing we, Muppets. Yeah, we had, uh, we had uh, Shannon Gallant on uh, a couple, mm-hmm. about a month ago or so, and he talked about how he beat up a, a count puppet that he had, the Muppet the Count. Really? Uh, but he was That's scared just- of it. He was scared of it, so he'd beat it up every night. <laughs> and, now, and now you're telling us about how you beat up your uh, your my yeah, pet the monster. Yeah, my pet monster was meant to be played with rough. That's what, that's what made it such an ingenious toy. It was, you know, this awesome, like quote unquote, doll, but for for boys because right. you could. It's a monster. You can throw it around and wrestle with it. It was awesome. Beating up a count puppet because you're afraid of it. That's like something you should tell your therapist. That's <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> you two don't yeah, he's probably regretting he wanted that story at this moment. <laughs> All right, uh here's a here's a classic debate that Chuck and I have had and and uh we've only recently had it on the show. Uh does everything have a price? And when I mean price, we we are actually talking monetary price, not like I know everything has a consequential price, but we're talking about does everything yeah. have a monetary price? Well, when you uh, this does this include like how much money would it take for you to do blank like that kind yes. of thing? Everything. Because I do believe that there are certain things like that 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 have no price. Because and I, and a lot of people think that I'm you know being you know I'm not cynical enough or that I, I'm just being naive. But I'll tell you, man, if there's something so horrible that someone's like, I will literally give you two billion dollars, like you will be the richest man in the world. And then you do it, you will never – that money will never make up for the fact that you did something that horrible because all you'll think of all the time when you're spending it is where it came from. Right. So I well, do think you, that there are – What you could do. 
What you can do, though, is you're that rich, you can kill everybody involved. And it doesn't matter because it's still in your you it's still in your know. head, right? Yeah, it's in your head. Yeah, but I have no guilt. Let, well, yeah. then I guess for you there there isn't, but for me there is. So that yeah. means there is. Right. Okay. All right. Well, and you have to understand too, Chuck would sell his wife and his kids too. So. <laughs> right. And where and where this came from, and I'll be fair to you, Chuck. Where this came from, and I realize I well, I think there's other pet owners that would be this way too. Chuck t- said to me, if someone was willing to offer you like eight hundred million dollars for your dog, would you sell your dog to him? And I said no. Um, and he says eight hundred million dollars, and I was like, I don't care. My dog is my dog. That's my that, to me. It's an, another member of my family. So different level, mind you. But yeah, well, I've never. I, I was. I grew up very allergic to dogs, so I've okay. never had that kind of connection. But certainly, there's things that that mean a lot to me, like objects that if people ask me to sell them for whatever price, I, I, yeah, it wouldn't be worth selling. I, I, yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. You're, you're winning me back over. All right. (laughs) You're you're not as evil of a person as I thought you were. No. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, you were saying he's just like you, Chuck, and, and basically you're, you're pretty evil. So, um, all right. This is another classic debate. In, okay. And if you need explanation, let me know. But I'm just going to say the question as it is. All right. In prison, do you get a pass? Um. The uh, yes. Well, you do. I think just culturally, you do. Okay. See. I mean, I told you because people understand that when wh- whatever goes on inside, like I think that most people who go to prison once they come out of prison, people don't ask them about what happened in prison anyway. It's almost like going to the, to a war where it's like people just know better than to be like, hey, did you kill people? You know, like they know it was a horrible experience, so they don't want to – out of respect, like there's a general amount, understanding in of the what world. what happens that, in there. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened – because yeah. no matter what happened, it was horrible. Right. So it's better just not to bring it up because you don't want the person to relive it. And you personally don't want to know, you know. like yeah, I you don't, don't want to hear it. I don't really want to know what happened to you in prison. So I would say you get a pass because right. – no one will ask. You're not to. It's uncouth to ask about it. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I I I was one to say no. You don't get a pass. Bec- much much like you were saying before, where you always know. So if you well if yeah, you, but I mean you gave in to baser instincts that you normally wouldn't give into. So you're saying are you do you get a pass from yourself? That's a different thing. No, it's it's more to deal with uh, the sexual nature of things that happen in prison sometimes. Well, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, that. Which, oh which, no. You get, a, you get a pass. Which I thought you meant like, do you get to cut in line in prison at the cafeteria? Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> no, no. It's a different I line, know. Mike. It's a different line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which me, you'd have to beat me down and almost kill me before that happened. So just. Well, well sure, but, it, but it, okay, but you're saying that if someone chooses, like they just they decide that I can't. I can't do this anymore. I need I need the companionship. I need right. the feel of a of a woman, even if it's a dude. Right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you'll carry that with you, in right, forever. <laughs> but if but but that's but I think culturally you get a pass because when once you come out from inside, um, you know people are like, well, so I guess it's now, a different. Don't, now don't get me wrong. We we're we're very we're very friendly towards. The community, if that's what you're into, then it's all I'm all for. Well, I understand completely what you're saying. <laughs> now, I, okay, well, I guess I was thinking more of like if you're raped in prison, right? Do you get a pass on that? No, no. This is more. Chuck, this is this is this you decide. Chuck, I like hearing yeah. Mike squirm. Just leave him. Let him go. Let him go. 
So this is this is you decide that you're yes. gonna then yes. you know take a take a lover. Okay. You're lonely and you need companionship, Michael. <laughs> I think I think you get I think you get a pass. Yeah. Okay. Because look, man, I. Can, I'm sure prison is so much more horrible than any of us can even imagine. Like literally oh, yeah. being caged like an animal. Oh yeah. Like the th- whatever could ha- happens to your humanity in that in that time, like you can't be, you're treated like an animal. So you kind of start acting like one. Like it'd be horrible. I, I think you get a pass. Yeah. Oh, believe me, prison scares me enough that I hope it never happens in my life. <laughs> yeah, I see um, you. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you like camping? I don't. I do not like camping. And I have camped for real, like serious, like h- hike out into the woods, you know, find a place, put up a tent. A friend of mine was an Eagle Scout, so we knew how to do all this stuff, like bring the can- the canister that's airtight that you hang from the tree so the bears don't smell it. Like I, I did all of that. It was. I'm glad that I did it because now I know it's horrible. I, it's like, hey, let's pretend to be homeless. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There's a reason I have a house so I can live in it and not live outside. The, right. This. This came from actually just today because uh, Chuck's wife had mentioned that she wants to take him and the kids out camping this weekend and he doesn't want to go. I personally have always liked camping in the outdoors. Now, I, I don't want to live out in the outdoors forever, but... Well, you know. this, I mean, I don't know what, what your wife was just was referring to, but I think there's two different kinds of camping because when, when I was a kid, um, me and my family, I have a younger brother, and then our parents would go quote-unquote camping, but that means we would drive to a campsite where we'd park the car on a lot that that was like, you know, with a bunch of other people around and set up a tent right next to the car, and there was like, you know, down this this path, like a trail, there was like a shower facility and stuff. That kind of camping is borderline, It's in my opinion, it's not camping, it's just sleeping in a tent. At a park, and I think that's what Chuck's going to be doing. I think I don't know, Chuck. I th- you're uh, Chuck, I think you should do. I should think you should bring your kids to do that. But when you say camping, like I mean, like seriously, you yeah. drive to a national park, you park your car in a lot, you hike for five miles into the woods, yes. you camp by, you make your own. You, there's not a fire pit there. You have to make one. Like that's camping. That yeah, I, yeah, I've done that too, Mike. Because well, my wife and I do what's called high pointing, which is traveling, hiking to the highest point of the fifty states. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and so that one, sounds kind of cool, even though I would I would be miserable doing it. Yeah. But that sounds <laughs> yeah, thank cool. Thank you. Thank so, you. Yeah. So one of the ones that we did was Mount Marcy, which is in New York, and it's a 15-mile round-trip hike, and it takes all day to do. Um, well, we did it pretty slow, so on the way down, we had it was getting dark, so it's not safe, obviously, to be hiking down a mountain when it's dark. Right. So we had to camp. We had to set up a camp. We had to get water from the stream. We had, there was bears in the area. Yeah. Um, so it was intense. But uh, but at the same time, it's a memorable experience that I look back on fondly. At the time, yeah, I was tired and miserable. Yeah, this, is, this is how he spends his vacation, and I, <laughs> not I don't every, know why. Not every vacation. There's one vacation like that a year, and there's one vacation that I just had, which is Went down to Florida at my in-law's house, sat by the pool, and did absolutely nothing for a whole week. That's a better vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's an actual vacation. Right. Um, all right. Do you like butterscotch? Uh, I don't. No, I don't. But I'm not a big sweet. What? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Chuck, not everybody likes butterscotch. I'm one of them, too. <laughs> Common knowledge, it's the fruit of the gods. I don't understand this. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's like it's it's almost one step too far. Like, 
is fudge not enough? How about something else that's not even? It, it appears to be like kind of like molasses, but it isn't. It, it's it's this weird. I don't even know what's in it. Is it butter? Is it scotch? I mean, what, the name doesn't even make sense. I, I'm not into butterscotch. You know, and, an and 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 the last one that we have on the list here. Uh, do you like ranch dressing? Um. Yeah, I don't think anybody doesn't like ranch dressing. I'll say that I don't eat ranch dressing because to me, I it feels like you're just like you can feel yourself getting fatter when you eat it. <laughs> but but I can't deny that it's good. You know, it's, I don't it's, like it at all. Chuck can deny that it's good. So <laughs> really, see, I see. I would never eat it on a salad. I, even even when I was a kid and I didn't care, I didn't think ranch on salad was good. But like. Come on, man. When you have like hot wings and you dip them in ranch, that's awesome. Exactly. You no, really I don't like that? Cheese. I use blue cheese. I mean, that's good too, but. Sure. Yeah. No, I don't eat ranch at all. I don't like I'd it. Lo- yeah, I love ranch dressing. Yeah, ranch is good, man. <laughs> I've actually started using ranch dressing when I'm making, uh, depending on the sandwich, but when I'm making certain sandwiches, rather than using mayo, I've put just like a little bit of ranch dressing because I feel like it's at least a little bit lighter than may- mayonnaise is. Wow. So. Wow, Chuck is going to speak at your funeral. <laughs> I know, putting right? ranch on a sandwich part. because you think it's it's somehow lighter than what? I don't know. In my mind, it works out. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm trying to eat healthier. So <laughs> yeah, so that's, less that's, ranch on that's, the sandwich. No, well, I don't actually. I don't even buy. Uh, I don't even really buy ranch dressing or mayo anymore, just so it's not even in the house. So. Okay. Uh, the wife buys it. He don't. That's that's no, 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 no. I, no, no. I do. I do the grocery shopping most of the time. So we had lunch today, sir. Did you or did you not have a cup of ranch? Yes. <laughs> I, I close. I case closed. I, I rest my case. No, but here's the thing, Mike. I was having barbecue chicken wings with it. Look, I just said that's good, but exactly. Don't, but don't they weren't barbecue chicken wings. They were like chicken. Strips dipped in barbecue sauce. Right. Well, that's and what they make at dipped, our cafe. No, no, no. But I think you dipped the the deep fried broccoli in the ranch. <laughs> Did that. Yeah, look, man, I'm fine, fine with all this because it's delicious. But don't say you're eating healthy when. No, you're... I said I'm trying. To... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was succeeding. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all. The, that's all the uh, firing range questions I had. Um, so uh. I know for writers it's not there it's not a common thing it's not as common as uh for uh as art as it is for artists but is there any conventions coming up that that you're going to be going to this year oh yeah um well i've already done uh i mean i've already done it so i guess it doesn't matter but i do i do a lot of conventions uh over okay, the year so i did uh, uh WonderCon, which was actually in anaheim this year even though normally it's in san francisco um and i did c2e2 in chicago Right, and I will be doing Heroes Con next month okay. in Charlotte. It'll be my first time ever. I've never done any of the East Coast cons other than New York, so this is exciting. Okay. I hear Heroes Con's a great con. Yeah, um, we have some uh, definitely. A lot of our listeners are going to. We're not, but uh, this year, but uh, you'll definitely get some Star Joe's listeners that will. That's great. I, I will. I will have a table there along with Ryan Brown and John Armstrong, the guys I do smoke and mirrors with. So you guys, you know, any anybody, any Cobra fans want to come by? You should come by, say hi. Sweet. Um, I'll be doing uh, San Diego. I do San Diego every year. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, it's horrible. It's miserable. <laughs> but I got to do it. I, it's only two hours away, so I don't really have an excuse. Yeah. Right. And uh, and I do New York every year. I really love New York, so I'll be there too. 
And I'm oh, and I'm also doing a convention here in Los Angeles in September called Kamikaze. Oh. Uh, they had it. The first one was last year, and I was actually really impressed. I thought it was going to be really crappy, but it wasn't. I, it was a good con, and this year it sounds like it's going to be even better. So I will. Uh, I'll be that as well. So God, I guess I'm doing like six conventions this year. That's a nice. lot. But yeah, yeah, we're we're going to be at uh, we're going to Baltimore this year. So given that, you know, try. I've never done that one. Ryan did it and really liked it, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't done it. This will be our first trip, too. Yeah, we've heard good things about it. So, Did you guys used to do Motor City? Did you drive up to Detroit for Motor City? No. Um, well, we just, I just started recently going to conventions within the last two years. I had never been to one, and now I love them. But. Okay. Yeah, I, growing up, I did – I mean, Motor City is awful now, and I do not recommend you go. I don't think okay. people – I mean, I, I, I'd be surprised if it uh, – they used to have it twice a year, and now they're down to once, and I'd be surprised if it didn't just die out totally in the next <laughs> couple of years. But, uh, but when I was a kid – Growing up, it was an awesome convention. It was it was the third biggest behind uh, Chicago and L.A. and it was really great and it really you know wet my appetite to loving conventions. So it's too bad you missed it. It was a, it used to be a good con, but yeah. you guys should do C two E two next year because uh, C two E two is a great great. It's my favorite convention of the year. We have talked about doing that one because yeah. uh, Chuck's from Chicago originally. So um, yeah, you guys should really do it. It is yeah. such a fun con. Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to definitely put that on the, the calendar then. Um, and then, because uh, you, you, you mentioned it, I'm, I know I'm really interested because I, I didn't know, I didn't look at my own fault, but I didn't know you had a, a creator-owned book, Smoke and Mirrors. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What, what's, it, like, what's it basically about? Well, it's a five-issue miniseries. Issue three actually came out um, today, today being uh, Wednesday, okay. uh, the 23rd. Um, and it's a five-issue miniseries about a magician, a stage magician, who uh, wakes up one day in a world where magic is actually real, where like uh, your, your light bulbs in your car and everything runs on sorcery instead of on electricity. Um, and, but he can't do real magic because he's from our world, so he has to fake his way through the world doing sleight of hand. Nice. And and like stage illusions and stuff. And there's a kid who figures out what he's doing and like basically blackmails him into teaching the kid how to do it. And uh, it becomes like a corporate espionage story because you know one of the things that we sort of talked about in the development of this world was that you know if if there was a guy who could do all these impossible things that nobody understood how it was happening because he's not actually using you know the technology available. That would be like one day some guy saying, hey, I developed this engine and it runs on water, mm-hmm. and, which seems impossible. But the first thing that would happen would be, you know, GM would call you and say, I want to see that engine. You know, right. so he has to hide his uh, the fact that he's faking it. Basically, he has to hide that from, you know, the people that want to discover his secrets and it gets very dangerous. But each uh, I'm 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 writing it. I was co-created by myself, the artist my artist Ryan Brown and um, a magician named John Armstrong, who's one of my best friends. And every issue actually uh, does a magic trick to you, oh. which is very confusing to explain. But it basically is like this: there is a page where a, a, the magician, a character, is holding a fan of cards up to a character, but the panel is that he's holding it up to you, and he says. Pick one of these cards, and then you turn the page, and then the card that you have selected is the one that the magician removes from the pack. Uh, um, and so stuff like that. Every issue has got a trick like that. That it, they're all developed by our magician who is working on the book. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. It's, it's, uh, and how how can people get it outside of just obviously they're telling their local comic shop? Well, unfortunately, 
Um, issue one is totally sold out at this point. Okay. So if the store doesn't have a copy, they cannot order okay. more, which is, one, it's really cool to say, hey, first issue sold out. And then right. on the other hand, it's really uncool because then people can't buy it and then people <laughs> don't read it. So <laughs> that's is, dumb. Is the plan to eventually trade it then? or The trade, um, as of now, the trade is going to be out in in September. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, uh, definitely look for it, and then you can, you know, order it on Amazon yeah. and stuff, and and hopefully that will uh, that will you know be available for a long time, unlike issue one, which is totally unavailable. And at this point, I don't think they're doing a second print because issue three is already out. So, you're kind of out of luck. However, you can go to um, smokeandmirrorscomic.com. Um, and uh, there's a there's there's a thing there to like find out where to buy it and and okay. all of our reviews are posted up there. So very yeah. nice, yeah, cool, oh, cool. I'll look I'll look forward to that because I I mean I I've, I've been a fan of your writing since you came on to Cobra, um, and then when you you were on Transformers, I was like, oh good, more. Uh, <laughs> so so and, and uh, like I said, we were friends also with the podcast uh, What's on Joe Mind, and uh-huh. they. And again, I'm I'm not saying this to to kiss your ass because you know we're we're not that type of podcast. But uh, when we were asked what we did go around the horn and asked what's your favorite GI Joe comic ever, and mine in all honesty is Cobra. Uh, oh man, thank it, you. It's I like the espionage side of it. I love you know the fact that I don't know what's going to happen coming up. Um, it's it it's got everything I personally would would want. Uh, in in a Joe type comic and and because I like that I don't know if you've ever, ever if you've heard of the this other book too but someone told me well if you like Cobra then you might like this other book also which is called The Activity which is out by Image Comics. Which, no, I don't know that book. It's uh it's out by Image. It's a lot more um it's m- more realistic espionage than a Joe book would be. Uh huh. Um, but it's it's got that same flavor to it. Cool. So um, I will check that out. Actually, yeah, I was gonna say check it out. I think it's up to like issue five or six, and I think the first trade is coming out soon. Uh, a listener of ours recommended it to me because he knew what, what a fan I was of the Cobra book. So, um, so just keep. I mean, keep doing what you're doing, and I'm. You, you got at least. Uh, I know both Chuck and myself. You got at least two readers for as long as you want to keep on your run. Well, yeah. with at least two, we should stick around then. That's <laughs> right, great. exactly. Right, well, that's the magic number too. And uh, <laughs> right, but uh, no, and you have uh, all of our listeners praise the book too. I mean, it's it's been one, it's definitely been the one of the standout titles um, for us on the show and everything else. So, and for our listeners, so uh, you know, I think though there will be an outcry uh, if and when obviously when eventually you do decide to leave the book, but uh, hopefully it won't be for a long time coming. So yeah, I mean I guess that's got to happen eventually, but I I have no plans to leave. I mean I you guys know I I did have plans to leave back in the very beginning, but now right. I I have no plans whatsoever. I will stay until I can't stay anymore for whatever reason. Right. Great. All right, good to hear. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, other than that, I, I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, yeah, thank, oh, you, thank you, guys. Yeah, we I appreciate loved it. it. Yeah, and thanks for all the support. You know, all this time, I really thank you. Absolutely. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, no, no problem, no problem. Hopefully, next year we'll be able to actually uh, physically meet you at C two E two. Then that would be cool. Great. Yeah. Well, again, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. And yeah, uh, I mean, hopefully, sometime in the future, uh, we can we'll we can have you on again uh, and talk about some of these things that were up and coming for you. Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's been it's always fun. All right, I'll I'll, 
I'll talk to you guys later. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, and that was uh, our interview with Mike Costa. Again, I want to thank Mike uh, sincerely for coming on the show. Had an absolute blast talking with you again and gave us a lot of information about stuff that's coming out and stuff that happened in the past. So hopefully we'll be able to have him on again in the future and uh, get some more information about what he's been doing in the world of Joe and obviously now Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And definitely check out his trade for smoke and mirrors it's going to supposed to come out this september he said so uh pretty exciting stuff coming up for sure just a couple house cleaning items just a couple last minute things to tell you guys about before we close out the show one is this will probably be the last podcast episode before the contest ends remember the contest ends on june 15th if this is the first time you're hearing of it what you want to do is we are looking to put file cards up on our website for our listeners and you want to email starjoespodcast at gmail.com with your name and again we ask if you didn't hear in the past we ask that you provide your real first name you can make up a last name if you want if you don't want to use your real last name but if you want to use your real last name it's up to you but we do ask that you use your real first name uh your code name whatever you want it to be some type of code name for yourself your location, just city and state. And again, we I don't think we mentioned it before, but we prefer that your city and state be your real city and state. Don't worry, that's not that private inf- information. I mean, a lot of people living in the same city and, and state. So, uh, And then your specialty, whatever that may be. If you want to provide a photo for yourself or you want to provide uh, for your file card or you want to provide a biography or background for your file card you're welcome to do that you do not have to all you have to do to enter is email name code name location and your specialty so if you're like a sniper or you're uh, as they say a waste management specialist something like that whatever you want it to be it's totally fine with us and Realize that we will post it on the website if we need to. We'll do some editing, uh, just making sure nothing's offensive. I don't think that's ever been a problem with anyone in in our community here of listeners. So uh, if you do that before or on June 15th, you'll be entered in the contest. And the episode right after this one, it will probably be, will be the the results of the contest. We'll draw the name from a raffle. You only can enter once, but... Uh, For each entry, for each person that enters, your name will go into a raffle. We'll draw your name out, and you will get a Cobra Commander costume, extra large. And uh, that was donated to us by the good guys at Roma Collectibles. So go to romacollectibles.com. And one thing we've been forgetting to mention is if you enter the code YOJO into checkout, uh, you'll get free shipping. So pretty awesome. Other And there's going to be a bunch of other stuff in there as well. There's going to be some awesome comic books that we're going to throw into the prize pack and everything. So definitely worth entering. Other housekeeping item that I wanted to throw out there for you guys to make you guys aware of is X from Altered Egos, who who we've had on the show before. Uh, ALT, the number three, R-E-D, Egos, E-G-O-S. Uh, he 
reached out and asked if we would be interested in participating in a weight loss challenge. I've gained some weight uh, and I want to get rid of it. I probably have about 50, 60 pounds I'd like to get rid of. So uh, myself, Daryl Taylor from DC Noise and other podcasts that he's on, as well as X from Altered Egos, we're going to do a weight loss challenge from June 12th until October 12th, which is New York Comic Con. I'm not going to New York Comic Con, but I'm still participating in the weight loss challenge. We'll have an official weigh-in. Whoever lost the most weight, percentage of weight, not pounds, but actually percentage of weight loss, whoever lost the most is going to receive $50 from the other two guys uh, to go towards their podcast. And what that'll mean for you guys is I can really use your support. What that'll mean is that you then benefit from it because I'm going to use that money if I win, and I plan to win, uh, to buy prizes for future contests where we'll probably have multiple winners. So the more you guys support me, the more I will do I will strive harder to make sure that I win this contest and make sure I provide some awesome prizes for you guys in the upcoming future. So really appreciate the support. I will always update you guys on what I'm doing. I won't update on what my weight loss has been so far because I don't want to motivate the other guys into knowing where I stand. Okay, so our contact information uh, where you can find us and reach us is you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at the forumforgeeks.com and just scroll down and you'll find Star Joe's right there. Uh, that's our own forum. It's very active. Thank you everyone in the community who's been very active. And if you haven't signed up yet and you're interested in what it's all about, sign up. It's free. You can chat with us every day. There's tons of topics on there. You guys drive a lot of the topics, which is fantastic. Uh, it's just a really good time. Like I said, it's a way to, to stay in the know and stay in contact with everyone in the community, including Chuck and myself. We're on there every day, and you can chat with us, talk with us every single day. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, you can also Twitter. It's at Star Joe's Podcast. And uh, I basically manage the Twitter account. I'm on there pretty much every night responding to things that people say and do, retweeting things that catch my eye that I think you guys might be interested in. You can find us on Facebook. There's a profile page and a fan page. The fan page is where we update about new episodes, post some pictures related to the episodes, uh, just any type of news, anything you guys want to comment on. I check the fan page every day. Then there's a profile page, which is just Star Joe's, last name Joe, Joe's, first name Star. And that one Chuck predominantly will be on a lot. Um, I don't know if he's on there every day, but he's on there pretty often. And he'll respond to comments, post pictures that he finds interesting and whatnot. So that's kind of his little home. I jump in there every once in a while. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio. It's a smart way to radio. It is a free app for your mobile devices. It's also in a lot of different GM models. It's all over the place. If you have something that can use an app, do a search for Stitcher Radio. It's Again, it's free, and it's just another way to listen to Star Joe's. We're getting a lot of people contacting us uh, and listening to us through Stitcher. So really, really awesome app. Like I said, free is always good. And uh, we're getting some good numbers from that as well. Uh, also, you can email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. And that's where you want to send your contest entries or just regular messages, whatever you want to send. 
you can also call us. It's 440-941-JOES, uh, 440-941-JOES. We've mentioned it in the past. I want to make sure that I mention it again because it's been a while. If you want to leave us a message, that's where you can leave us a voicemail message. We play every single voicemail message on the show and we respond to them. It goes right to voicemail, so you're not interrupting us or disturbing us. What you can do is if you have a cell phone plan, because it is a long-distance number for most people, obviously, but if you have a cell phone plan that allows long-distance calls after 7 o'clock or after 9 o'clock or on the weekends or something like that, wait till then and leave us a message. I don't care if it's 2, 3 in the morning. doesn't matter. It doesn't disturb us. doesn't wake us up. just leaves a voicemail. And like I said, we'll play it the next time on the show and respond to it. Uh, let's see. What else? what else? You can reach us so many different ways. Um, those are all the ways I can think of. Well, there's also one other place you can find our shows, and that's at the GeekCast Radio Network. So just go to geekcastradio.com, and you can find us along with a bunch of other shows. It's a great community. We're glad to be a part of it, and I can't say enough about the different types of variety of shows you're going to find there. If you like our show and you like the the properties that we cover, there is a multitude of shows out there at GeekCast Radio that cover the same properties or similar properties from different perspectives. So we mostly cover the comics side of things, but we touch on other things. Other podcasts will cover uh, the toys or they'll cover the, the TV shows or the movies or something like that touching on maybe some of the things that we, we cover on our show as well. So it's a great community. It's a great way of stretching out into more shows. Uh, that's about everything. going to go ahead and close things off here uh, by saying the Force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, guys. In today's story, Zagraz had a problem. He lost his confidence in himself because he had once failed. Well, now, we all fail sometimes, but we should never be afraid to try again. And we should always keep believing in ourselves. As the old saying goes, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Until later, bye. Bye.